recorded live. If he is freely giving us all things, then it wouldn't be free if it was based on our self-effort. If he's freely giving us all things, then it wouldn't be free even if it was based on the amount that we gave or what we gave. So that's definitely not it. You have to understand that God is a giver. He's always looking to give to us. He loves you so much he is trying to give to us. He gave us his son, and then he said if you'll receive his son, he's going to freely give you all other things. My God. How many of you believe that God is a giver? Say out loud, God is a giver. So many people are afraid to loosen the death grip they have on their money. Now here comes the radical stuff. They're afraid to loosen their death grip that they have on their money because they think God will take it all away. In fact, in most churches, when you say it's offering time, they are grieved at that thing. The church has promoted so many wrong ideas over the years that people think that the Lord wants Christians to live in a shack, to live broke, busted, and disgusted, and to live with no money in their pockets at all. That is the attitude of most of the church, and that is the attitude, I guarantee you, of the world. God never gave us Jesus so we can take a vow of poverty, something that he vowed to deliver us out of. Are you listening to me? The Word of God says very, very specifically, God wants to bless his children. Say out loud, God wants to bless me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you. Turn to the other side and say, God wants to bless you. A friend of mine was telling the story about how this partner of his would uh, buy him a brand new truck. And this, these, 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 these vehicles were amazing. They were expensive. They were nice looking. And, and he said it was getting kind of embarrassing because people were asking him, was that his vehicle? And they said, wow, that's pretty good for a preacher. And I mean to tell you, it, it started embarrassing him. So he went to the guy that was buying the trucks and he said to him, he said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to accept any more from you because, man, this is getting kind of embarrassing. And the man looked at him, and he said, if you aren't embarrassed by your level of prosperity, then there's a good chance you aren't depending upon God as your source. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for you to be embarrassed by the level of your prosperity so that you can, so you can prove without a shadow of a doubt that God is my source. And I prophesy that in this year that God Almighty is going to bring some things in your life that's going to be somewhat embarrassing. Lord, have mercy. Now, let's, let's, let's put that in perspective. God, of course, of course, godly prosperity is different from coveting riches. See, when you covet something... It's, the, it's to desire wrongfully. In other words, you desire to prosper for all the wrong reasons, and most of those reasons are self-motivated. So, of, of course, I'm not saying prosperity is, is the same as coveting riches. Yes, God wants you to have nice things, but you shouldn't get them by hoarding your money and spending it all on yourself. The most selfish prayer you can pray is, God, meet my needs, my wife, my dog, and my parrot. I don't want nothing else. Just take care of us. Or what about the other folks that need to be a blessing, amen, that need you to be a blessing to them? Now, when you give, 
Here comes some more radical stuff now, and then I'll start teaching. When you give and handle your assets like a steward of God's money. Now, a steward is someone who manages the finances and the property and the affairs of another person. When you are a steward, you, you, you're, you're, you're a manager over what belongs to somebody else. I am saying to you, as we said last week, that stewardship is the key to prosperity. When you give and handle your assets like a steward of God's money, then God will bless you, and the blessings of God will add no sorrow with it. When you can finally get to the place in your life where you can finally say, this is not my money, it belongs to God. Now, I know some of you hesitate, like, yes, it is. I work 40 hours a week to get this money. You don't understand. The Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father, which is, it, it, which, which, it, it comes from Father, which is above. You, but you've got to understand something. It was God that is the source of you being able to make that money. What if he charged you for the oxygen? It was God that created you. It was God that breathed life into you. It was God that allowed you to be born at this particular time. It was God that opened the door for you to have that job. It was God that gave you the health and the ability to do that job. It was God that showed you the favor. At the end of the day, no matter what good you had, it's all going to be traced back to God as the source. So what we've got to do is we've got to come to the place where we say, you know what, God? I'm going to surrender. All things come of thee, O Lord. All that I have, you're the source of everything that I have. Say that. All that I have. God, you are the source of all good that's come into my life. That's when you have become a steward. When you begin to carry that kind of mentality, I am a steward of God's money, then God will bless you. And the blessings of God adds no sorrow with it. Because look at look at this. If it's God's money, if he wants you to be a steward over his money, then he's responsible for providing the money for you to be the steward over. But if you keep seeing yourself as the source of your money, then when things happen bad in the world, you're going to be filled with fear and stress because you have accepted the responsibility of getting it. You see, when you open up your hand and begin to trust God, you will see that God's a multiplier. And what I'm saying to you this morning at the beginning of this teaching is that stewards will see multiplication. Stewards will see multiplication. I say, I say, I say, stewards will see multiplication. And so I'm trying to convince all of our churches and all of our partners to, to, to give up on this thing that you are the source of the good that's in your life, that that's your money. I want you to become a steward. God's trying to get something to you this year, and, and you've got to understand it's, it's the steward that's going to receive multiplication. Become a steward. Say out loud, I am a steward of God's money. I am a steward of all good that's coming to my life. How many stewards do we have in here this morning? Amen? Now, David now is a great example of a steward. And so if what I'm saying is true, let's examine this morning. We looked at Abraham's life uh, last week. Let's look at David's life, and let's look at the life of a steward. Now, David wanted to build the Lord a fabulous temple, but God said to him, don't do it. 
because it wasn't his plan for David to build this temple. It was, it was God's plan for Solomon, David's son, to build the temple. So David was obedient and uh, said, well, we'll do that. But what he was going to do, he says, as my son grows, I'm going to start putting in store finances and materials for the building of the temple so that when he takes over, then, you know, this will be in, in store for it. So David set aside, uh, while Solomon was growing up, David set aside an equivalent of $36 billion in gold, and David set aside $14 billion in silver while Solomon was growing up. Uh, somebody say amen. Amen. All right, now listen to this. Then right before he handed the throne over to Solomon, David made one last gift. So I want to show you this one last gift. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and 35, because I've got to figure out how can he so easily give this much money to the building of the temple. And then I'm going to prophesy some stuff over you. This is a life-changing day. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3 through 5. Now, verse 3 says, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy uh, house of God. Verse 4. Even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Orphan, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all. The gold for things that are gold, the silver for things that are silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands. Now, these artifices, these guys are, they, I, I was studying this out, these are very skilled creative craftsmen who, I'm talking, they are designers and they, I mean, they, these are not just house builders. They are creative and they are anointed and they're the best in the land to build the, the Lord's temple. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Now, Let's put into today's uh, uh, standard uh, uh, the amount of money that, that was given. Uh, now, this was 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver. Now, I have to go. The last time I checked, gold was like, uh, you know, $1,730 an ounce, and silver was about $40 an ounce. So if we take those numbers and apply it with what he gave in this last gift, uh, it would be, according to today's price, $6 billion in gold and over $300 million in silver. Somebody ought to at least say, mm. I know. So watch this. This was his last gift. So then David encouraged other people to give. And look what happened. All the leaders of the tribes caught the spirit of giving. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that all the leaders of world changers are going to catch the spirit of giving. Amen. 
There's something about when leaders do stuff, everybody else follows. And so David encouraged them, and all the leaders of the tribe caught the spirit of giving, and they began to donate large sums of money. The leaders gave 190 tons of gold and 375 tons of silver. So in total, if you take what David gave that day and you take what the leaders gave that day, it came up to $17 billion in gold and silver given in one day. All right, now I got a, I got a reason why I'm telling you all this now, okay? Now look at First Chronicles chapter 29, and let's look at verses 10 through 12. Now watch this now. Verse 10, because I'm wondering, how do people do that? How... How, what kind of person gives that? Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Uh-oh, somebody say, there goes Stuart. All that's in the heaven and earth is thine. There, he said, there is, all that there, there is in, in the kingdom is thine. Oh, Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee. I got a steward in the house. And he says, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Ladies and gentlemen, David saw himself as a steward. He knew that all of his assets had been given to him by God. David gave God the credit for being the source of all his riches. Can you give God the credit for being the source of all of your riches and good in your life? Do it right now. Say, God. I give you the credit for being the source of all my riches. You see, God, listen to this now. God had taken the people of Israel out of slavery and made them a rich and prosperous nation, able to donate more than $16 billion in one day. I prophesied that God Almighty is taking the world changers nation right now out of their slavery, and he will prosper them to such a point that in one day they'll bring billions into the kingdom of God. I got to say it. Somebody got to say it, and somebody got to believe it. So why not the world changes nation? <laughs> Somebody like, we're a nation now? Yeah. All right, now look at verse 16 and 17 here in First Chronicles 29. My God, there's coming the time. God is, and I believe it's this year, he is going to release so much grace over your life. He's going to prosper you and you don't even deserve it. He's going to prosper you and you're trying to figure out where this came from and why. You're going to find yourself weeping and crying because you know you didn't deserve it, but he showed up to do it anyway because you, you, you believe that he's your source. You believe that you can trust that blessing that he's put on your life. And just because you believe it, God is going to do it. And in one day, we'll take up an offering that has never been seen in the earth since this time. 
world changes nation that will give God credit as being the source over everything they got. God's nature is to give. God's not a taster. He is a giver. Amen? Do you find it difficult trusting God with your money? Bad experiences and fear of lack often cause us to distrust God's grace in the area of our finances. You need to stop seeing yourself as the source of your prosperity. And you got to recognize that all blessings and riches come from God. As Creflo Dollar teaches in today's special offer, trust God relying on Christ for your finances. God is a giver. When you release what God has entrusted to you and trust Him with your finances, you'll come to see that God is a multiplier. Get this dynamic series by calling or visiting CreflodollarMinistries.org today. Everything you ever did before you got saved, that's what the old man are you stuck in the past? Change is possible. Regardless of your history, the new you is reflected in God's Word. So if you want to know what your spirit is like, you go and look in the mirror of the Word. You can transform your life. Experience a dramatic change in your attitude, relationships, and career by focusing on Christ. You've got to choose to allow the new nature, the new you, to dominate all of you. Receive Transform, the empowering three-message series by Creflo Dollar for a love gift of any amount. And with a specific gift to the ministry, we'll include the Transform book along with the five-CD series, Experiencing Jesus. Order the entire Transform collection by calling Creflo Dollar Ministries or logging on to our secure website today. If there's one thing I'm going to hammer home until Jesus returns, listen, it's that God's grace, his unmerited favor, his undeserved favor is a gift. Now, when someone gives you a gift, what do you do? You receive it. You didn't do anything to deserve it, so why do you think you have to perform or qualify for it? Folks, God's grace is about to supernaturally cause some great things to happen in the body of Christ. His set time to favor us is now. But doubt, unbelief, and working to earn his favor will stop it from manifesting in your life. God wants to unleash his grace upon your life. So let him believe it, receive it, and thank him for it. It's his gift to you. Praise God. Faith, power, grace, you're about to experience an explosion of all three at Creflo Dollar's New York Camp Meeting, July 14th through 17th at World Changers Church, New York. If you think you've heard dynamic teaching before, wait until you see what's coming. Creflo Dollar joins forces with Andrew Womack, John Hagee, and David DeMola to bring you an outpouring of grace you've never experienced before. The teaching was more than I ever expected, and my son here received Four nights of unforgettable teaching at the New York Camp Meeting, July 14th through 17th at World Changers Church, New York, in the Bronx. Sessions begin at 7. All seats are free. Register today at CreflodollarMinistries.org. Tell them you can ride again. 
Are you ready to experience WCYE's 2015 Cause Effect Youth Conference? This powerful event happens July 23rd to the 25th. There will be explosive musical performances, dynamic workshops, anointed guest speakers, Pastors Greco and Taffy Dollar, Pastor Anthony Adams, Pastor Kyle Self, and so much more. Visit WCYEConference.com for more information. The first 200 registrants will receive an exclusive VIP package. Be the change. Cause Effect 2015. If you're looking for a church home and want to stay connected to Creflo Dollar Ministries, join us at a World Changers Fellowship Church in your area. Visit us online at creflodollarministries.org to locate the World Changers congregation nearest you. Because of you, Creflo Dollar Ministries is providing a new understanding of grace and empowering change in the lives of millions of people every day. This month, for a donation of $25 or more, the Word Network will send you these unique gold hoop earrings, each adorned with a sparkling rhinestone cross. These trendy hoops will make a stunning fashion statement and a powerful declaration of your Christian faith. Gold is mentioned many times in the Bible, representing the divine nature of God. The circles symbolize eternity, and the cross is a precious reminder of what Christ did for you. These fashionable large hoop earrings will appeal to women and teens and make a perfect gift for someone special. Call now, and these beautiful earrings will be rushed to you immediately. Immediately, call 855-730-WORD. That's 855-730-9673. You can write to us at Word Network Church, 20733 West 10 Mile Road, Southfield, Michigan, 48075. Or simply go online to thewordnetwork.org and click the Donate button. With your continued support and partnership, we're sending the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. I decree and I declare to you right now that this is a season that you will bear much fruit above. This is a season that you will push forth everything that's been on the inside of you. This is a season that you will break out and you will break forth. Coming up next on the Word Network. You're watching the largest African-American religious network in the world. We are the Word Network. The following paid program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Joseph Prince Ministries. God wants you to reign! Today with Joseph Prince. Every time you proclaim the Lord's death, Amen. Your enemies that are attacking you at that moment are defeated. Are you listening, people? No matter what your need is, God's heart is to give you His supply because He loves you. This month, as a thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll send you Joseph's latest three-CD audio series, Receive Your Miracle. Beloved child of God, your Heavenly Father wants to take care of you. Find out how you can walk under an open heaven of God's blessings and freely receive your breakthrough today. For a specific gift, we'll send you a special collection that includes Joseph's special six-DVD box set. Accepted, blessed, and loved. Understanding your identity through a study of the high priest garments. You will also receive Joseph's two-DVD album, Let Go and Let His Supply Flow. Request these and other faith-building resources. To order these resources, call us toll-free at one 901 
King James says, whoever eats and drinks unworthily. Alright? And then some people say, if you're unworthy, don't partake. No, it's not the person. Unworthily is an adverb. So, thank God for the New King James. It says, whoever partakes in an unworthy manner. Okay? Let's show that. Alright? I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Think about it. Why would Paul say, I received from the Lord this revelation of a communion? Actually, Paul could have gone to Matthew, Mark, the early, you know, the, the apostle that were with Jesus, because in all their, their books they have accounts, except for John, in the Synoptic Gospels, every one of the Synoptic Gospels talk about communion, talk about the Lord's Supper. And yet, Jesus thought it was so important to tell Paul directly. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. You know how often can we remember the Lord? Think about that. Alright? Don't, you say, Pastor Ben, if I do it every day, it becomes a ritual. Then don't do it every day. Okay? If it's a ritual to you. But really, honestly, last week I showed you all my boy, right? I never get tired of showing it. I know some of you get, oh no, Justin again. You know, but for me, I just love looking at Justin. Just, I see Justin every day. Almost every day I see him. All right? Unless I'm somewhere, you know, in the world. But I just get to see him every day. Yet I love to look at his videos. I love to, you know, look at him again and again. Especially someone you love. Do this Coming to shop. Hear your hey, an elderly. If you hold your peace, it will speak for itself. But because you announce everything to everybody, you further jeopardize the opportunity that the Lord is affording you. Have another cup of coffee. I got something else to do. God is masterful. And hiding stuff. We talk about God exposing stuff. He exposed himself. He spoke peace be still. The winds and waves lay down. He exposed you for ghosts. No, it's Jesus. Bid me to come back. We talk about him exposing stuff. We never tell you that God hides stuff. God hides stuff. God hides stuff. Oh, my God, he could hide better than my mother. My mother could hide stuff. The FBI couldn't find it. Mama hides stuff. You have to go in the room, and you have to go into deep meditation. You have to lower yourself down to her height, and then do an aerial stand around the room. God is masterful at hiding something. Think back to the book of Exodus. When the Pharaoh, do you know how strong the Pharaoh was? Do you know how powerful the Pharaoh was? If the Pharaoh said something, you did what the Pharaoh said. The Pharaoh told two little women, kill every male Hebrew child born. You didn't argue with the Pharaoh. It wasn't like you were going to jail. The Pharaoh would cut your head off. Feed your kids liver to you down your throat. The Pharaoh was the man. Absolute, total monarchy and complete control. And yet, these two women decided, no, we're not doing that. And so they, they lied. <laughs> I ain't going to go into that. They, 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 lied a little bit. they said the Hebrew women are lively, and when they give birth, by the time we know anything, the baby just jump out. Just, just, they just jump out. Just, 
Come on. Those dumb Pharaoh, he had a lot of power, but he didn't have a lot of sense. And he didn't know nothing about women, so he didn't know how to argue. So he said, okay. Stupid. So now he says, watch this. He says, every male child that popped out, kill him. Before he's two years old, kill every last one of them. And God let Moses pop out and hid him in the house. Now, now don't think of your house because you've got too many rooms. This is the Hebrew slave house. Where do you hide a baby in a Hebrew slave house? Most of you have seen what African-American slave houses look like. This is a Hebrew slave house thousands of years ago. Where you put the baby? God is masterful at hiding stuff. They searched the tent. They couldn't find it. The baby was hidden in the house. Then he takes it from one hiding and hides it in an ark and puts it in an ark, an ark, a, 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 a mud-covered, wood-framed artifact that was made to put things in that would float and put it in the river with snakes. Your baby now. Picture your baby, your newborn, three-month-old baby is floating down the river with alligators in the tempestuous rivers of the Nile. And God hid that baby, that opportunity, with nothing around it but opposition. And God let it float through stuff that should have killed the baby. Is there anybody in here that has floated through some stuff that should have killed you, but God hid you and kept you alive? You didn't make it to where you made it because you swam with friends. This isn't skinny dipping somewhere back in Kentucky. No, you were swimming with people that was waiting to take a bite out of you and totally destroy you, and yet God hid you. They didn't perceive you correctly. They didn't know that you knew what you knew or could do what you knew. God will hide your greatest moments in a mess. Your greatest opportunity is always surrounded by woulda, coulda, shoulda, might, suppose, what if, next moment, can't be sure, anything can happen at any time, and yet he'll let you just slide right through. And then, point three in the Moses story, of all places to hide, Moses. God now hides Moses in Pharaoh's house. I hope you follow what I'm saying. The guy who is trying to kill Moses, God uses his house to bless Moses. The guy who is searching everywhere trying to find where Moses is, don't know he in the next room. His mom and them nursing him, and your daughter is paying the bill. God is masterful at hiding stuff. 
standing in a place where your grandmama never thought you'd get, and your mama never thought you'd get, and your first boyfriend thought you'd never get there, and your ex-wife hates it, but look at you. Past failures, current situations, where are you getting your identity? It should be found in Christ and Christ alone. Learn that your problem doesn't have to define you through Bishop's series, I Am. When life holds a role for school, you were not present. You were either in yesterday or groping after tomorrow. For your gift of any size, you will receive Bishop's revealing message, The Beauty of In-Between on CD from the series I Am, Made in His Image. It's not by works. And it just receives on the basis of relationships. And when your gift is $65 or more, you'll receive Bishop's two-message series, I Am, Made in His Image, on DVD. It is so efficacious that that blood is effective against diseases that were not even discovered at the time that the blood was shed. However, for your gift of $110 or more, we'll also include our I Am poster. Embrace your identity with Christ when you say, I Am His today. I'm on this. You know how much God has hidden in you? Or are you so aware of the opposition that you never see yourself as an opportunity? I'm wondering if people don't date you because you introduce your opposition and not your opportunity. I'm wondering if people don't hire you because you don't see yourself as an answer to a problem. You see yourself as a need. So you go into the interview from the perspective of, I need the job. Why would somebody hire you because you have a need? People hire people who are an answer to their need. But because you approach everything from the perspective of your need. I'm wondering if you have been poorly marketed in your own marriage where your spouse sees you as an opposition. When he dated you, he saw you as an opportunity. But somewhere along the way, you have become an opposition and he is in your life doing like this. That has to be the answer. Because if they saw you as a straight opportunity, who wouldn't take an opportunity? So, to Jesus. Jesus now has had a transformation in his thinking that was facilitated by his associations. He's had a transformation in his thinking. Somebody said, say it again. <laughs> that, was that was facilitated by his associations. The people who are around you are your associations. And they have all to do with how much you transform or don't transform because inevitably they are now feeding the feeder. That's why in a business people fight to get the CEO's ear because they think themselves smart enough to manipulate the person at the top, and they figure if they can get his ear, they can manipulate his thinking, and whoever has his ear rules the roost. You go for the pretty office, I'm going for his ear, because if I get his ear, I think I'm so smart, I can whisper stuff that it change things that are being done, and that's how they do it. Jesus, though he is God, 
Though he is omnipresent, omniscient, though he is all-powerful, omnipotent, they slam the door and Jesus said, mm, is that how this is? Could it be that I am looking at my situation wrong? Is it that I have had the opposition so marketed to me that I don't see the opportunity? Could it be that God has hidden my opportunity in my opposition? When I look at you, am I so busy looking at the opposition that I no longer appreciate the opportunity? And now somebody else is whispering in your ear because they see you as an opportunity and I'm handling you like an opposition. And the opportunity down inside of you is hungry for affirmation and you cannot get that from me because we are so busy fighting that I cease to see you as an opportunity and now you are... Jesus now goes, slips into Judea. Not even his disciples know he's there. Nobody knows he's there. Jesus has already told them that he is not going into Judea because he has to wait for his time to come. Suddenly he says, wait a minute, this is my time. The Father has hidden my opportunity in my opposition. I wasn't looking at it clearly. Thank you, Lord, you put somebody around me with enough courage to challenge me to rethink how I see my own life. That's why you came to church this morning. If you came for any other reason, you, 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 you didn't come to praise the Lord. You praise the Lord in the house. You didn't come to get your shouting. You didn't get your shouting in at the house. You came so that I could feed your spirit with the kind of highbrow thinking that transitionalizes you from negativity to opportunity so that you don't spend all week walking around talking about, they could kill me. I ain't going to do it. They could destroy me. Thinking in the flesh. Well, when you think in the spirit, you say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can walk through danger. I can swim with alligators. I can hide in Pharaoh's house. I can do whatever's got to be done. This is not an opposition. This is an opportunity. When they knew anything, Jesus is standing on stage. Standing on the stage in Judea, in the feast, with all these people gathered around, he opens up the book and starts to think. And they were looking for him. And he walked right past him. Like Joseph. Walking in the midst of his brothers, he walked right past them. They were looking for him, and he walked right past him because God hid him. And he sees the opportunity because he no longer saw it as an opposition. In the closest text, Jesus is now standing on the stage of his haters 
<laughs> oh, if we had time for another cup of coffee, I can tell you. Time after time after time after time, God led me and moved me and sent me this way and that way. And when I looked around, I was standing on the very stage that they said they'd never have you standing on. Because if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? Hallelujah to God. Now he's standing on the stage speaking to all the people of the world who have gathered around him. And if you don't mind swimming through a few gators to get to where you're trying to go, you can swim your way right into the palace. You can do like Moses and be educated like an Egyptian child, though you are a Hebrew, and come out speaking in all kinds of languages with all kinds of authority and government and leadership skills that your people never got because God lets you swim through the snakes that they were afraid to swim through, and you can stand in a position of power that you never stood in before. If you can see opposition as an opportunity, you will have the power and the charisma and the education and the intellect and the articulation to speak to kings and princes because they would have killed you if they'd have seen you coming. But God hid you in the house and brought you up through the process and there you are standing in a place where your grandmother never thought you'd get and your mama never thought you'd get and your first boyfriend thought you'd never get there and your ex-wife hates it. But look at you. But some of us have been waiting on somebody to give us the permission to break out of mediocrity and step into the power and the purpose of God. And I came to tell you, if you will throw your little rocks at the giant in your life, the rocks will bring you to the sword and the sword will cut off his head. I came to tell you, you're going to use OPM other people's money but I found out God knew that the rock and the rag couldn't kill Goliath God had put David's sword in his enemy's holster And when David was ready for it, he reached in and pulled out what they thought was Goliath's sword, but Goliath was just holding it for David to get strong enough to be able to handle what God was going to release in his... Oh, y'all don't hear what I said. God said, I will give you houses that you didn't build and I will give you vineyards that you didn't grow I'll let them build it but it's your house I'll let them grow it but it's your vineyard I'll let them hold that place but it's your seat I will open doors for you 
got to stop there. It's been a real joy to share the word of the Lord with you. I'm so excited about this opportunity. I see everything differently today than I did before because I've come to realize that the opposition should not be a deterrent for the opportunity. That if you have the fortitude and the will and the tenacity, you can pull through the opposition and get to the opportunity. That's why they call it victory. God has a mission for you, and you need to be about your father's business. That's what I'm doing. One of the things the Father assigned me was to put together this meeting manifest. And as crazy as it may seem, there's something about people getting away from their normal, out of their city, away from people pulling at them, and getting into a place where they can lay before God, seek God, renew themselves, laugh with their friends, pray with their friends, connect with their family. Oh, God, you're talking about a refreshing. You're going to have a time. Megafest is a spiritual retreat with your name on it. Will you join me? I'll be looking for you. Take care. Men, we are fathers, we are leaders, and we are husbands, and we are friends and teachers, so we have to lead by example. No other place on the planet can you experience a powerful anointing, such an impartation. It strengthens and uplifts us every, every time. He's on my second time. I just appreciate man Father for what he's doing. And God bless Bishop Jason for what he's put together. You know, empower the men at our church to come and, you know, really receive some revelation from God. And before we can reign, we have to learn how to serve. We deal with things throughout the year, and I look forward to it, you know, every time. I wish that it happened more often. Because about legacy and leaving something for your family and your kids. I feel that God, you know, coming to this conference gives you confidence to lead and be a great leader. It's good to have, uh, have a foundation to strengthen the men. Teaching and, you know, just the fellowship, the camaraderie of other brothers that are cheering you on, that are, that are excited for Christ is just awesome. uses ordinary people. If you make us extraordinary, you'll never reach up and get it. He uses flawed, broken, crazy people just like me and you. Hold yourself to a standard. Pull yourself up. You have no reason to lay down and be nothing. You can get up if you want to get up. I'll tell you to the day I die. I'll tell you to the day I die. Go on to Judea. Walk right for this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Tomorrow on Joni. The impact of a father, good, bad, or non-existent. We have an epidemic mm-hmm. of, uh, in our nation of men and women who have not been fathered. Tomorrow on Joni. Experience restoration with Marcus Lamb at the New Spirit Revival Center in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, on Thursday, June 18th. Why not let Jesus rise up big in you as the captain of your salvation?
thinking about the world, looking at the nation. Suicide, genocide, homicide. Three words come to mind. Times are changing. Yeah. No more rumors, there are wars going on. Twisted doctors, scientists making clones. Economy got some backs against the wall. People dying for no reason at all. People of God don't even read their Bibles. There's no faith, no trust in the word. But everybody seems to be quoting scripture. It's just another word they heard. Pastors leaving pulpits cause they're tired. It's all based on how we feel. Overheard two people speaking the other day. One said that God's not real, but I'm just one of them more people who's got to hold on. Sometimes I can't see, but I still believe he's taking care of me. Oh, I'm just one of them old people God's got to hold on. Choose to look on the brighter side in spite of all the negativity I'm surrounded by. No, it ain't perfect, but that's alright. Cause his hand is on me and he's keeping me alive. So many disappointments, so much I don't understand, so much I don't have answers for. That's what makes me trust you more In a world that's always changing Everything's rearranging But no matter what's going on I'ma be standing I'ma be holding on Your truth, their truth, my truth Your God, my God, our demons all I know is one thing nowadays Is we all need hope, we all need faith, man I'm just one of them old people Who's got a hold on Sometimes I can't see But I still believe He's taking care of me Yes, he is Oh, I'm just one of them old people God's got a hold on Mercy and kindness, the same is worthy to be praised. So let's 
I'm fine, dear. How are you? I'm good. On the choo-choo train. Choo-choo, choo pops Choo-choo. Ah, boy, boy, boy. How's your day going for you, dear? The day is going well. I had a test from yesterday after um after I got up the phone with you guys and everything and I went over and I was telling my dad and Cynthia about them. I was talking to Cynthia but my dad was sitting there and I was telling her about the uh, about the call we were talking about, you know, what was ministered to us on Sunday and then I was saying about the role playing that we had done. And so then my daddy, my daddy decided to like kind of jump in, you know. And um, he came at me exactly how you came at me yesterday, and mm-hmm. and and it was just it was just like just how you were saying, well, if this is that, this is how it's supposed to be, then why are you doing it this way, this and the other? And so um, instead of me getting upset. I came at it. I came. I responded exactly how I responded to you on the phone, mm. and it was just like, wow! The, the test came right after the, the exam. You know, right after you know the the learning. The test came right after. So I was just like, wow! Wow! Yeah. So wow! And you didn't even want to play. Look at that! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. So what was your father's response afterwards? That was the thing without me getting, with me not being kicked upset and everything. There was really nowhere for him to go with it. Mm. So he was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, I was just saying. Okay, I was like, okay, that's fine, you know. Mm. But I said, this is how I'm going to do it, so thank you, you know. No problem. Thank you for participating. Hmm? Said thank you for participating. Oh. <laughs> so, I would I would love us to do that again. That was actually you said what? I would love us to do that again. Like we were talking about because that actually does help, you know, having that um teaching tool. Yeah. So maybe the day that you figure out you're gonna run the line and you can do it on your on your line. <laughs> you went on mute real quick this morning. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go on mute now because um, you know, oh, but seriously though, we're gonna hit a dead spot and I'm gonna lose the call. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Yeah. It's no seriously. <laughs> hmm? No, no joke. No joke. There's a dead spot going we're gonna be coming up on so. Okay, no problem. Not a problem. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was actually thinking a few minutes ago, I said I think what we'll do is in the month of July we'll have have you all start uh doing your days. I figure it's five days in a week. That means it's 20 days, so what we'll do, we'll just start. We'll just start rotating every week. Somebody's going to do it. 
So we just had to figure out how how it's gonna be done. Huh? That's fine. I have no problem with it. Oh, okay. Sounds beautiful. Hold on. Gotta get my juices to flowing. Yesterday, Mm-mm. talking about the call. He said, "Okay, what time y'all get on? By eight or something?" I said, "No, prayer call starts at six o'clock." Huh? But no, no prayer call starts at six o'clock. <laughs> no prayer call starts. See, that's what you go back to the drawing board. You and God and figure out what y'all gonna do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, so maybe you and your sister who've been, in, you know, hiding in the background can figure out how y'all want to work. Y'all can plan it that way. <laughs> Ain't I nice? Now, I'm going to anoint you so that you will be for the just shouting down. Whoo, Jesus, there it is. Mm. 
There it is right there. Yes, Father Arambuko, pour that down inside of her, Lord. Pour that down inside of her, Lord. Thank you, Father. Pour that down inside of her, Lord. Yes, yes, strengthen her, gird her up, mm, encourage her, Lord. Mm-hmm. Encourage her. Mm-hmm. Remember before when I said the Lord's going to kick you for it? Mm-hmm. Well, this is part of the process of the kicking. Mm-hmm. You stepping up to the plate and doing the call, that's part of the process of the kicking. But there are many more things in store to get you to move where and how he wants you to move. Please take a few moments to familiarize yourself with the location of the emergency exit. Allow his presence to permeate you. I didn't say to touch you. I said to permeate you. Mm. To permeate. Thank you, Father. Yes, 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 Father. Permeate her with your spirit, with your anointing. Permeate her with your life, Lord. Permeate her, Father. Oh, there it is. There it is. This is flowing, flowing, flowing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sweet. That's good. All righty then. Well, I have no idea where my list are at. I was just trying to see if I could figure out where mine is at real quick. I'm going to take another quick look. I'm going to look on that table. It's got to be on the table. I got stuff everywhere. The next stop will be Van Buren Street. The next stop will be Van Buren Street. Well, I just start with Edion. Oh, Jesus, there's warm up in here. Kim Moore, 
Deja Brown, Droopy, Community Service, Dino Connect, Hondadoko Shiroko Dadoko Dodoko Shiroko Da. Aranako Seshiroko 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 and Yelanda Smith for a the Smith family. No, Tolan family. The Moo family. The Moo family, the Tolan family. The Tolan family. The Moo family. The Moo family. Morgan Macmillan and family. Morgan McMillan family, Yolanda Smith, Nancy Bro, Harakanda to go say she got a no Sarakada, and Sakra. Yeah, it's like they're Okay, what we got? Tolan family, Renee in the paint store, Nancy Brewer, the Smith family. Um, who else we got, Lord? Who else we got? Hmm. Moves. Okay, well, 
Anybody else on the list? I can't remember right now. Hundred go, hundred go, hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Sa, hundred go, hundred go, hundred go. Hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Shit, hundred go, hundred go. Hundred go, hundred go. Shit, 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 hundred go, and those people that I pray for on the list. Hundred go shit again, down to go say shit again, down to go say shit again, down. Hundred go say shit again, 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 And I'll be back.
Wait a minute. 
for Goliath and his four brothers. He faced them all along. God said, just aim at his forehead, and I guarantee you won't miss. He said, I got all the backup and power you need.
Okay, that's not going to be good. Okay. Daniel Boone was a man. No, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise what? the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I, I'm trying to. You know, Daniel Boone, you say we're right where he is. <laughs> With God. Good hey, Maria. <laughs> Thank Good you morning. for the save, girl. Hey. You know what? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Got to hold on. Jack, July, everybody picks a, a pick whatever they're going to run the call. What this switch? is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, yeah, I know you're going to go on mute. Okay. Can, can I do my little quick before I go upstairs? Yes, darling. Okay. All right, so there's a song by Judy Jacobs that I love, and it says, um, you are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. Yes, yes. yes. Who's about Judy who? <laughs> you mean more than this world to me? Yes, yes. Did you just say Jacob? more precious than silver or gold? Wow. More precious than treasures untold? Untold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that you, are, you are my everything. And so we have to remember that, God, and we thank you that you are everything. Uh, 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 uh. You are our everything, and we thank you. This is the day that you have made, yes. and we rejoice, and we are glad Hallelujah. in it. Hallelujah. And because this is your day, oh God, we dedicate it back to you. We yes. spend this time in your presence. Yes, but you said for two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. Yes, so, Father God, thank you for abiding in the midst of us thank worshiping you. you in our words, in our songs. Even in our joking around, oh God, it's you that yes. we have our minds on. And so we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sun, the rain, thank whatever you. the weather is, wherever we, the people that are listening are, God, we just yes, thank Lord. you because we are here thank on this you. side, giving another day to do it right for you and, yes. and for your glory, oh God. And hmm. so we come for the churches. We yes. come for the ministers. We come for yes. the, the apostles, the bishops, even the missionaries on yes, the front Lord. line, oh, God. We come that your truth will be told because you said where there is truth, the truth so the yes. truth sets you free. And the thing yes. is you are the truth, oh, God. You are yes. the truth. Nothing else can do. Nothing else matters but you, oh, God. And so let your word be put forth in front of the people, oh, God, so that they can that the word can be that word that's needed to cut us under the flesh from the spirit, oh God. So our spirits and our, our spirits can be made right in your eyes yes. so that we can have that direct relationship with you, oh God. Yes. And Father God, we ask that those who are willing to stand for you, that you will give them strength in their bodies, strength yes. in their minds, strength in yes. their spirits, oh God. Not able, you know, strong enough not to back down or back out of this fight, oh God. Yes. We ask that you will cover their finances. Right we ask that you will cover them from all hurt, harm, danger, and violence yes. because of their stand with you, oh God. And Father, yes. we also come for those who are abused and addicted. Yes. We come for their liberty, oh God. Because you know your liberty is what they need. That yes. drug or that yes. abuser is not the love that will oh. stand. That love is only that stands, the love that only stands is by you, oh God. And we thank yes. you for that love. And we come for those who are um, deceased, 
those who have lost loved ones in this right weekend, now, even up until last Friday, God, someone lost someone. And Father God, we ask that you would give them that peace that passes yes. all understanding. We ask that you would cover them in your in your arms, oh God. Right give them that you. have them have someone come to minister to them. Because right they now, are being caught up in depression, oh God. We come yes. against the spirit of depression. We come yes. against the spirit of sadness and heaviness. We come yes. against the spirit of loss because people Someone lost a wife or a husband. Yes. Someone lost a sister or a brother who they were close to, oh God. Or even just an uncle or aunt. And now they feel that loss. They feel that emptiness, oh God. We ask right now that you will go in and fill up those empty places yes. the only way you can, oh God, in the name of Hello. Jesus. Hallelujah. And we also come for those who are in hospice. We yes. pray and speak right now on miraculous healing that only you can give, oh God. Yes. We speak yes. against yes. every cancer. We speak yes, against yes, every yes. blood disorder. We yes, can speak yes, anything yes. against the mind and the brain, oh God. We I'm speak against that name. thing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name but we speak that you will, by your strength, we are by healed. So we cover those places in those areas under the blood of Jesus. And we say that when they go back to the yes, yes, of God, yes. that it will, be, it will be not just remission, but they will no longer see the affliction. Yes, so yes, that will yes. bring them back into your presence as well, oh God. And so God, we just thank you. We give you glory and honor that only you Thank deserve. You, Lord, you. And last but not least, oh God, we come for those who are in prison and yes, their mind and in their bodies, oh God. We right come that they will have liberty oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. We come oh, yes. that as they look for something yes, yes, to yes, set yes, them yes, free, even if it's yes, not in their bodies, yes, yes. but in their mind. Let them find you, oh God. You are the only thing that will ever do you the only yes, thing that ever yes, matters. Yes. Oh, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank and Lord, name. we come for Sam. The head of this line, even as he goes forth, oh God, through this day, we pray that everywhere his foot treads is blessed and protected. Keep his hands, yes. keep his hands so on God, him, Jesus. As he helps those today, let it come back to him a hundredfold, oh God, monetarily, physically, health, Hallelujah, for him Jesus. and his family Jesus. and his seven degrees of separation. And we give yes. glory and honor that only you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, prepare me. To be a sanctuary, full and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be that living sanctuary, Lord, for you. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, dear most righteous one, God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the temples and the beacons and the beacons of light on this call, God. Thank you for the wake, great waking up you gave us just one more day to speak, to have, for you to have your will and have your way. God, so I thank you in advance for the, for the prayers that have been brought forth today, all facets of the prayers, God, that's from our hearts to your ears, God, so that you can bless them. And the, and the list that I'll, I'll come to you, Father, on bending knee is for the sick and shut in, God. God, continue to move restoration, heal, and deliver us, God, who are sick and shut in, God. Give the restoration back to the limbs and their bodies that they were so that was, that was deemed as being paralyzed by the by the by man, man and not by your hand, God. Right now, God, let us look toward those, continue to look toward those hills from which cometh our help, because all of our help comes from you, God. Continue to bless and meet us in our need 
in our time of suffering, troubles, and strife, God. You know all about what's going to happen. You all know all about what's happening right now, God. So I, will, I cast all the sickness and the diseases back to the dry places from which they come, God. Because there are still miracles being performed right now in the name of Jesus. Eyes have not seen or ears not, nor heard the goodness and the greatness of what your work is, God. So right now, God, I thank you for letting me look up and not look down. Letting me go to you with zeal and a will to live and not die each and every day, God. Thank you for letting us be those soldiers in your army, fighting the battles in our minds, fighting those battles in our hearts, fighting those battles, those, those battles in our souls, God. But you are the one who will fight the battles because the victory is, is already won. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to submit those sick and shut into you because we need you now in our situation, God. We need you now to deliver us. We need you now and give us peace. We need you now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, cast down upon our head. It's in Jesus' name I only submit this prayer to you, and I say amen, amen, and amen. How y'all doing? But Felicia covered those facets, the beautiful prayer, the beautiful reaching up to God and giving him those lists for covering, for healing, for deliverance, for protection, for supplying all the needs of your of the people who cry out to you in their time of trouble, in their time of their situation, in the time of joy, in the time of happiness, because you still hear those cries of joy and, and happiness, the, with the thanksgiving of the each and every one of his heart who, who he, he has brought to and through. So the praises are ringing out. The praises are going to ring out throughout heaven because it's coming from our lips, from our heart to his ear. So hallelujah to your name, dear Jesus, because deliverance is already done. Hallelujah. Jesus, I go to the, I see my surgeon today at 2.30, and I thank God for just just, just the, the, the great expectations that I'm having today, the great expectations, great expectation of being healed is on the way, the great expectation of him doing what he's supposed to do, he said he's going to do, is on the way, so thank God, hallelujah, in advance for that great expectation, to to have that zeal to be healed, the zeal to know that you're going to be healed by the stripes of his wounds, not yours, but his. Oh, God, hallelujah. Jesus. 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 You're the sweetest name I know. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, I will share it (laughs) wherever I go. So I'm going to praise his name because great things he That's that wonderful phone of hers.
Go up. I was just making up this. Oh, shit. Great things he's doing in my life. <laughs> and I'm glad about it. Wow. <laughs> you never come back on that, honey. The great things he's doing in all our lives. We <laughs> we continue to watch the hand of God move. What I did, I picked my phone up and my 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 um earpiece hit, you know, the core I got a plug in one of those earpieces. And the earpiece hit the 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 end card. I said, Well, Jesus in the name the word shall go forth. <laughs> in spite of it all. <laughs> so now I'm going to black my screen because I know my phone will hit it and shut me off. So, so. <laughs> but how y'all doing this morning? I, um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that everybody is well. It is well. It is well. that They are well. Because uh, this morning when I rose, I didn't have a doubt. This morning when I got out of my bed, I didn't have a doubt. As I travel on this journey, I don't have a doubt because I know the Lord will take care of me, will provide for me, and will lead and guide me all the way. <laughs> I don't have to sing it because it sounds so. It, it sounds good when they sing it, but when you say it and it comes from within, oh Jesus, you don't have a doubt when you begin to when you begin to learn to cast all your cares on Him. And you begin to watch his hand move before your very eyes, or even in your spirit, in your life, then you wouldn't have a doubt because he he did it before, he'll do it again. Hallelujah. And that's the beauty of it all. But that's a learning process. And I'm so glad I'm learning and growing and moving so he can move and grow in me and turn things around for me. So, hallelujah to your name, dear Jesus. <laughs> And that's a good thing, y'all. And that's a good thing. So somebody needed to hear that today. Let go and let God. And he will come in and he will show out. Show up and show out. That's what they say. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Sam. <laughs> hey, Maria. Since she's trying to go on me. Who is that? Morgan? Uh-uh. Who was that? It's me. I don't know who me is, but hey, how you doing? It's Magic Mike. Who? Magic Mike. You know what? <laughs> That's your alter ego, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> That's your uh, hey. That's your alter ego. We're gonna have to talk sugar. Two woo, two woo bang, two woo bang. <laughs> She might be on the computer. But yesterday, we were going to share um, Rick Warren's um, devotionals. And um, I wanted to share that with you. And I'm going to, I mean, it was one from yesterday, but I'm going to do the one from today. God understands you can't change overnight. And that was the topic. He's on this life's healing choices. 
the word choices is big. God understands you can't change overnight. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Ephesians 4.24. When God wants you to remove the defects in your life, he doesn't just snap his fingers so that it happens instantly. He does it incrementally. When God wants to make a mushroom, he takes six hours, but when he wants to make an oak tree, he takes 60 years. Do you want to be a mushroom or an oak tree? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will make changes in your life far beyond anything you thought possible, but they're not going to happen overnight. And it says, I want, I'm sorry, I want you to be stronger emotionally, Physically, physically, spiritually, psychologically, and financially, but you've got to be intentional about it. The Bible says, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is how we become more like Jesus. We throw off the old things and the old ways that keep us from getting to know Christ and becoming like him, and we put on our new selves with the help of the Holy Spirit. We let God do his work in us no matter how long it takes. And that was the God understands you can't change overnight. And it is a growth process. It is a change process. But once you make that choice, I mean, we do stumble in our, in our, in our carnality because the flesh is sin. We're cursed already. But he understands when you turn back to him. This is my what Maria is getting from the lesson. He understands when you turn back and repent. Now, if you're going to continue to do this while in the same old mess and never turn, never change, never, never return back to him, never repent, then you're going to be damned. You're going to be damned. So, therefore, he understands that things have, does not change. We can't change overnight. It's not a microwave kind of faith. It's not a microwave kind of trust that we have. It's not a microwave thing. So each and every day that we lean toward him and his understanding, not ours, then we'll, he'll, he'll, be, he'll direct that path. Once you see, continue to lean on him and give it all to him, he'll let you see the, that, that change in you. He'll let you feel the presence of him in your life and the peace in, how, in his hand moving in your life. But if you're still wallowing in the same old, old dirty rags, so to speak, that we carry, which is our flesh, well, our dirty rags of, of this worldly stuff, and not acknowledge him, then you're going to be damned to hell. That's what Maria got from the lesson, understanding that the process of drawing closer to him, the relationship. When you meet a new person, you ain't going to just jump in. Or anyway, uh, when you meet a new person, you just got, you have to learn them. You have to know them and have an intimate relationship. It's like a, a, a physical relationship. You have to know that person. You have to get to know them. You have to know their that what makes them what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what's them mad. You have to get to know them. It's just like a relationship with God. You have to know Him, how He is going to be, I and mean, what He what you want from Him. You give to Him, He take care of you. He'll supply. You have to have that same relationship with Him. Not say the the, the physical relationship and knowing anybody that you come across. You have to get to know them. You could be getting to know a mass murderer, a, a serial killer, but you have to know the person. I don't want to discount God that low, but understand it takes time. He understands change is not going to happen overnight. But once you grab hold to him 
Grab hold to him. I'm raising my hand because I'm grabbing hold to him for everything. This morning I even told him that I'm trusting you, that got, my kids are going to take up that cross and follow you. Let me continue to be that example for them, Jesus. And I'm giving them back to you. I've given them to him this morning. Give them to him. So they, they, once they take up their cross individually and follow him, let me be that example. That's all they can say. Well, mama, mama doing it. Mama doing it. What's wrong with me not doing it too? So I gave my children back to God this morning in praying and praying for them and letting me release them to God, not keeping them from me and go, them going being saved through me, but let them, giving them back to him and let, laying them at his feet. My trust for them, my trust to him for them. I know they can't be saved through me, but I can pray for them to continue to take up their cross, continue to draw closer to God for themselves. And I know it's not going to happen overnight, as the lesson states. But the five-letter word, trust, that it will happen in their due season, not mine, but in theirs. Change is going to come because of the Abraham and Noah. Um, you know, the whole family is blessed. That Abraham and Noah lineage, once you're blessed, your whole family should be blessed. You know, when you go back to those days, you and your whole entire family, the legacy, the lineage of Abraham, the lineage of Noah that was saved by in the flood and all of that. That's what I see. That's what I pray to God for. So I gave them back to him. I prayed them back to him, prayed, prayed my trust to, to give them back. Pray for my trust to give them back. And know that if he's doing it for me and I'm growing and I'm growing internally, inwardly to, to, be, to present him outwardly in him, then I'm, doing, I'm, in the, I'm on the right path because my mind is already set on things of him, not of the world, not of me, but him. So, therefore, I have to continue to trust him in that other facet and not worry because I'm casting my cares about them on him and let him handle the rest. Amen? So that's what I got from the lesson. It's not going to happen overnight, but I know that we all are work WIP when it comes to him. Work in progress. Progress, progression, each and every day. Yielding, yielding, surrendering, praying without ceasing, lifting, encouraging, giving, loving, the fruits of the Spirit being exercised, sitting the soul of obedience to reap the harvest of his blessings. All of this didn't happen overnight for me and all of us. Running on, pressing, pouring, peace, having peace, those power peace, Sam. Going through those six phases of, 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 of faith, decision, dreams, deliverance, dead end, difficulty, and, you know, all those six phases of, of, of faith. It didn't happen overnight. The trials and tribulation that comes in our lives makes us stronger. That's a process. It didn't change overnight. But that's what I got from the lesson today. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Corinthians 3.18b. 18b. Corinthians. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, not happening overnight, we become more and more like Jesus. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry. Three, chapter eighteen, B. Amen. Amen.
Anyway. And I'm done. <laughs> you have just had a ministry moment with Maria. <laughs> Donations are being accepted at Maria S. 68 at Yahoo. No, forgive me. Okay. <laughs> The saucy you find it, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know that's just it doesn't happen overnight, y'all. We we know. I mean, we have to teach our. You know, I I I rather be a teacher and a mentor to my children than a parent because you know they get that age now that we have to continue. Well, we could pour into anyone else in the world. It starts at home, and um. And that's what I mean. Like I said, I took Erica's prayer. Erica's prayer. I got. I get a lot of mercy. I took Erica's prayer and I took Sam's prayer. And I thought about that thing. I said, "Girl, you ain't trusting God with your kids, man. Come on." So I got up this morning. I didn't get up as, as early as three, but uh, I got up um, about four or five, maybe. But I just, you know, gave it back to gave them to him, and I'm done with that. Because once I can you know, I'm a true believer of casting my cares on him and leaving them there. And leaving them right there where I gave it to him. So I'm good. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And there were some questions at the end of that lesson that asked us uh, some questions. And, um, I mean, you know, as far as uh, the questions that he asked, it says, talk it over. Why is it important? Now, this is to Sam. Listen to this right here. Why is it important to have goals? Now, this is the same lesson because you don't want that microwave um, instantaneous. It ain't going to last long. Whatever you're, If you don't have goals and you just go on flying by the seat of your pants, why is it important to have goals? Because of the longevity of going back and looking at, the, you know, if you're writing, writing a vision, making it plain, then it is, it is important to have goals in life because nobody want to motor to motor through um, running having I mean having this, running through this life by the seat of your pants or uh, whatever happens happens. We all have to have some goal set in our mind of where we want to be in the next ten years. And the next question is, what are your goals for the next ten years of your life? And the next question is, how do you want God to work in your life? And then the state, the answer to one of them says, pray and ask him to help you trust as you work in his time to fulfill his purpose for you. So those three questions was asked at the end of the, end of the um, lesson. But we all have to think about that because once we start, well, we, live in this, we, lived, we lived in this worldly thing for, for, what, 20 years, the first 20 years of life we were living in the world, uh, 20, 25 for some of us, maybe, maybe 30, maybe still, still living in the world. But... Um, but we lived in this world of thing, and then we realized that, you know, what, what it all cracked up to be. So once we take up our cross and follow him and see the world from the, from the outside looking in, because we're always set apart when we start taking up our cross and following him, uh, this world ain't worth it. And, you know, this is Maria talking. This world right And I say it all the time when I see something that's going on in the world. So this world right here. <laughs> I always say, this world right here, are we, are in our mind, what is this world coming to? You know, uh, this world we're living in right here, I always say when something this, this awful happens on on television or in the news, this world right here, Lord, house invasion. This world right here, 
killing, brother killing, sister. This is how right here. Beatings, robbery. This world right here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lord, and then the next thing I say, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so, so in all of that, you know, you know, why is it important to have gold? Sam, we, you know, just we were talked about on our um, on the other call. Why are goals for the? What are our goals for the next ten years of life? Write the vision, make it plain. And he would do. But once you write that vision and give it to him, he gonna see to it that it happens. And, then, and not on your time, but his time, and be praying and trusting that it gonna happen. So, so because nothing happened overnight. But as we, as I said, you know, the first twenty five years of our life, we were in the world. I might be sooner. Some of us might have went to God earlier. Some of us might have went to my cross later. But once you take up the cross, you see life in a different perspective because there's a different purpose for you, or for him, rather, to be used by him. But, amen, there's something to chew on. There's something to chew on. There's a world right here. That topic, God understands. You can't change overnight. The world we live in, sometimes you won't make you want to change for him anyway because, you know, you don't want to be damned that this world is just going, spiraling out of control. You want a solid rock to stand on. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Hey, man. Let's just chew on that nugget for a minute because I just, somebody need to hear that today. Somebody need to hear that. But thank God for that. That word that, that permeates our spirit and our mind. And let us think of your goodness. Let us think of trusting you. Let us think of all the things that you've done that saved us in our in our worldly life. Didn't even seem seem to even think about you in know in that worldly life that we lived. But when you look back over your life <laughs> and you think things over, you can truly say that you've been blessed. You got a testimony. That's what you have to look back and see. Oh, yeah, the first 25 of the world, I was in the world. I'm just going to say that. But once I made the choice to be more <laughs> and be set apart, we're still in, but we're not in. We're up now. Thank God for this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for the change. <laughs> the change that only makes me stronger in him so I can share him with them. That's why yesterday in preparation that Sam just threw out those scenarios that was the enemy was someone who who's of the whose probably were in the world. Those 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 situations, those scenarios that we went through it grow it grows you up to know that you're doing the right you're doing the right thing you 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 know you're 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 standing strong and for righteousness sake righteousness sake we all have broken 
working issues in our lives, but we're drawing to him to be able to stand firm and share those marbles. Yeah, I was a victim of, of abuse. Yes, I was. The WAS was. But I'm a victor. I have the victory in him. I was a victim. Yes. Of verbal abuse, physical, mental, spiritual abuse. But thank God I'm a victor. I'm a victor, not a victim. But hallelujah for that. You don't have to hit me. You can just, the words can cut just like verbal. Abuse is abuse, regardless of physical or mental. But thank God I'm a victor, a victor, not a victim anymore. Amen. Now, Samuel, I'm on mute. Hello? Is he on the phone? Oh, you hear? Okay. I don't know if he's still on the phone. Oh, he might. Huh? He might have us. He might have us on mute. Oh, he may have with his raggedy self. (laughs) (laughs) It's mute, Sam. The little button with the little speaker over the line over it. No, he probably changed phone on him. <laughs> huh? I was saying that lesson was good. I like that. Yeah. But thank you. Huh? You and I were What you were speaking on, that was good. Oh yeah, we we uh, we have to you know we have to be you know the change like I say, and then you know what Felicia the thing about it is. We have to understand the ones that are around us. You know, change ain't going to happen overnight for them. You know, my sister, she's a smoker, right? Uh-huh. And, of course, I'm, this is me. I mean, I know what I got going on with me, and she knows what I got, what I got going on with me. And I'm like, and she'll fire that cigarette up, and I'm like, you know what? You're trying to kill me. Well, I'm trying to stop. I said, I understand it ain't going to happen overnight, but, you know, you have to be considerate of the ones who are around you. I, I I know what I have, but I don't want any other. I don't want the smoke to affect any other organs. You you're trying to kill me. No. <laughs> I said I don't want the. I said I don't want the uh, lung. I don't want the lung cancer. I don't want the emphysema. Well, I don't know if emphysema is the breathing thing. I don't know, but I'm just saying. I ain't trying to claim that, but you know, I'm like you're trying to kill me. I said what? Well, and of course she she stopped for a minute, and I mean she went cold turkey for the last year, the first of the year, or well, January. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to smoke this black and mild, you know, the little cigar thing. You see, I'm not a smoker, period. I thank God that if I was a smoker, I probably wouldn't have been, 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 been in the best of health that I am now. But I thank God being 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 uh, as uh, obese as I am and having blood pressures at 110 over 70 and 114 over 82, those pressures that people look at me when they walk into the doctor's office and say, your blood pressure is perfect. I said, yeah, it's surprising, ain't it, to be obese? I said, thank God. 
Thank God I'm a healthy, obese person. Thank God. Because if I was doing all those other high-risk stuff, I'm already heavy. So if I would have been smoking, and, you know, smoking, drinking, or whatever, that, I mean, I'm already polluting my body with food, so, you know, I know that's going to change. That's going to have to change. That will be changing as of today. So thank God I wasn't a smoker because I, mean, I would have been at a higher risk of anything that I have going on with me because I'm already, I'm already heavy. That's one big plus, period. Uh-huh. I'm a high risk. I'm a high risk walking through the door. But you know what? That EKG and that and them, and that and, that, and them, that lab, them labs and that blood pressure are at an all time low. Now my diabetes was borderline, but that was last month. Hallelujah! I ain't claiming it this month when I go. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, to be an obese lady and they look at the blood pressure like, mm. I said, yeah, surprising, ain't it? And as you, when she said, well, it was one, she told me it was 130 over something. I said, do it again. 130 over 93. I said, no, do that again. That's not correct. Something wrong with the blood pressure cup. And lo and behold, when she did it again, <laughs> it was back down to 114 or 117 over 80, 78 or something like that because I know I've carried that low blood pressure all my life. Mm. That average, that perfect blood pressure. I ain't gonna say perfect, but that, that, that average blood pressure. She when I when she said one something over eight ninety three, I said you need to do that again because that's not correct. Because I know me, I know my body, I know his body. <laughs> so she did it. She did it over, and it. it oh yes, it sure is. Mm-hmm. Surprise! This is what I said. Surprise, ain't it? <laughs> because I know what my, you know, I know that's my systolic and diastolic measurements. I always know. Even when I, went, you know, when I get nervous, like when I go to these tests and stuff, I don't even, even in going through those tests because I don't gave it to him, so I can't worry about that, you know, nothing else because when I give it to him, Lord have mercy on me when I go up in him. They're going to put me to sleep, God, so cover me. You know, things like that. I don't worry about that. That blood pressure did not spike. That No, mm-mm. When I get put under, I don't worry because he's right there covering me. I don't get nervous or anything. But what God has for me, it is for me. That's my mentality when I go through these doctor's appointments and see all these doctors. I know without a doubt, that doubt, that word doubt, that he will bring me out. And I thank God for positioning, that positioning and for preparation. Um, this call alone prepared my, me, prepared me. Oh, it prepared me so. I was telling um, one of the ministers in my church, if it had not been for preparation, the diagnosis would have crushed me. Uh-huh. All those things that I don't need would have entered in me. Uh-huh. The worry, the doubt, the fear would have opened up a whole whole different window if I wouldn't have been positioned and prepared. One of those power P's, layup, positioning and preparation. I put on Facebook, I'm pretty sure you see, that God prepares us. Sometimes you have to lose to win again. Um, that was uh, Fantasia. I, I took those words from her song. Sometimes you have to lose to win again. Mm. As in preparation and preparing and preparation and positioning. 
You're going to lose to win again. That's, that's just, just think about that. You're going to lose those people that you don't need in your life that stagnates you. And you're going to place new people, new beings, new like-minded folk who are going to lift you up, encourage you, and prep you, push, press. And that's press shifting ministry, the word, the PSMs in my life. So I'm just ministering to myself and encouraging someone else. You know, that's where I am. And it'll it'll make you stronger in going out into this world and ministering to his people. Now, they're having that women retreat in the mountains. They invited me all expenses paid to come and minister to the women. The the women who got virtuous virtuous women ministry invited me. All expenses paid to come and minister and worship with the women of God. And I'm going to go and do thus said the Lord. Feed my sheep, feed my children, feed my people, feed my feed the women. It's not about you, Maria. It's about the mission, the ministry, the tool that you asked me, daughter, to be used as an instrument of praise and worship. That's what I created you for. Created to worship. Created to give you praise. For you was born with a purpose, placed in this earth, just to give him praise. That's Maria's theme song, created to worship. <laughs> but I'm just ministering to you, to each and every one of us who was on this call, and I thank God for your opening your hearts and your ears and your spirits to be fed. Amen. I'm done, fam. <laughs> I just said that. You know what? Just poke me in the side because I'm done. I'm done. Poke me in the side. Take me out to Avis. <laughs> and poke me in the side, you might release something. You know what I do? Mm-mm. You raggedy. I'm going to go inside. Open my phone. I'm going to go inside and put this phone on the charger because I don't have no juice coming through my phone. I'm on, I'm on a percentage of 20%. But I might be on mute for a minute. And my doctor's appointment is at ten two thirty. When I hear from some, when I get the results of what we're gonna do, I'm gonna email you all. So just keep me lifted up. Okay. Well, what we got left? I didn't um finish my two list, which I'm probably have to recreate, but. Then I tell you, it was embedded in your heart, so just go ahead and do what you got to do. God knows your heart. Did I tell you that yesterday, Raggedy? I thought you had 20% on your phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use five of it on you. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going back on mute then. No, I'm out. I'm back on mute. I'm on mute. Uh-huh. <laughs>
Well. <laughs> Come that other five. <laughs> I ain't got it in the house yet. <laughs> well, you said something on the lemon head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Orlando Costa, 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 Orlando
Well, we got all of this done. Can't do the reading until I get back in the house. Um, it's probably going to be about 15, 20 minutes. And that's what it is. It is what it is. So, good morning. Good morning. Who's that, Nay? Yeah. What's up, Nay? How you doing this morning? I'm doing my, doing better. My foot's doing better. Oh, okay. So and, uh, yeah. What's wrong with your foot? Well, um, I like the carnitas bowls over at Chipotle. No, nah, go ahead. And, and I brought, and they brought them back, but I think it's the cilantro or either the seasoning that wound up giving me, like, gout. Cause I couldn't bend my right toe at all on Sunday, and then my oh, ankle was looking like um, 
Looked like I had barbell weights around my ankles. All right, well. We like you, but they don't like you. Yeah, but you know something? I'm still going to lose it. This ain't going to be as much. <laughs> and it's often. <laughs> okay. If you can't walk on your feet, that's a terrible feeling. So what? That's because when it makes it where it's hard for you to walk on your feet, that's not a good feeling. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a funny thing we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yesterday when you were telling me about, um, you know, we you know, you ask somebody how you doing. Say I'm doing okay. Can't complain. But you, you know, know some, you know how people say, you know, you ask somebody how they doing, then they say, oh, I'm okay. I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you say that you're doing all right, but then you turn around and complain, that's just like you snatching a scab off a healing wound. <laughs> okay, it's trying to heal, but you're not going to let it. All right, all right. Mummering and complaining. So if you had the patience and pray and have faith that it's going to get better and still work with it within a reasonable amount of, um, you know, endurance, it does heal. It does heal itself, and the scars go away if you stop picking at it. Isn't that what your um, mind is always saying? If you had a sword, you start finding yourself picking at it, leave it alone so it can heal. Say that again. Okay, when you're a kid, and if you had a scab on your leg, or whatever, kids tend to start picking at them. Mhm. And then your parent, mostly your mom, would say, "Leave it alone so it can heal." Oh, uh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm thinking that it could be so much fun that you can pull off even more skin in the dead meat. <laughs> Who's all on this morning? Mm. I don't know. Maria's on mute. No, that's a joke. Okay. And Erica's probably on the computer. Alicia's been on. I haven't heard from Austin yet. Um, I guess that's it for right now. Oh, okay. Dropping off my childhood extremely late. What was that? Just dropping off my childhood extremely late. Okay, we can't get up to you, sir. Tell us, say hello. What'd you say? I said she hasn't got out the car yet. Tell us, say hello. Oh, Renee says hello, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get too much longer to go. 
I was looking at the History Channel, and um, you know, that I just said about selling Brooklyn Bridge, that actually mm-hmm. was true. Back in the um, early days, mm-hmm. when a lot of when a lot of um, not settlers, but immigrants would come over. Mm-hmm. They had people actually selling them pieces of the Brooklyn Bridge because they didn't know no better. So somehow mm-hmm. they they end up stopping it. That was so that the statement is actually derived from a truthful thing that was going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So often the things we said that the, the validity behind it. Well, right. well you know, on that, you got on that, you know, that just go ahead and rears up his ugly head on how the different lands were discovered. Because, mm. you know, it's like with Australia. They looked at Australia as a um, as a death trap. Oh, really? And England was sending um, the hardy criminals over there, thinking that they wouldn't survive. Mm. Okay, and well, in other places, they thought was not livable. So if they sent them over there for a couple of years, they wouldn't survive. But just like spraying a can of rage that was made back in 1952 today, it wouldn't survive. I mean, the the roaches, they still survive. Because of the endurance that that roach had built up over the years. But see now, and what I'm saying that is because now you got these immigrants coming in, they don't know no better. But the person who is selling them the land knows. And a lot of the folks that came over on the boat, they were criminals. So this is how they survived. So this is what they went back to their old nature painting somebody else's understanding of what they were coming into. Okay. You know, just like today, we got people, they may have to leave out of town and they have their house sitting for six months to a year with nobody in it. Somebody realized nobody's there. And um, then they go then they go and um, change the lot and rent it out to somebody else, but the house was never there to rent out in the first place. Okay. So here you have the actual owner in the back light. How come I can't get into my house? Why is somebody else in my house? And then in the meantime, for all the laws that you thought they were protecting you, it's not there. Confusion, isn't it? What did you say? I said confusing, isn't it? Things are looking what? It's a confusing, isn't it? Oh, uh, a little bit light. Just light. 
Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Everything that got quiet, I thought I had lost the call. Okay. Oh, boy. At least you got to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet you do. Um, um, hold on one second. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, hold on one second. <clears throat> Sure, 
All right. How's everybody doing? Uh, Okay. So I have been on a journey um, trying to, you know, get back into my studying of the word and things like that. So I have been going through Genesis. You know, when you when what I didn't know was it was going to take so much longer when you're trying to look at where God is, what God is trying to show us spiritually when going through Genesis. But um, I got to the story of <clears throat> I'm on the story of the flood. After the flood, you know how Canaan, well, how um, I had mentioned last week about how. You know, um, Canaan, I mean, had, you know, Noah had got drunk. And um, Ham, his secondborn, um, I'm sorry, his, his youngest child had gone in and um, saw his nakedness. And I had always, I had always wondered, like, why do you curse Canaan and not Ham? Canaan was was Ham's youngest born. And I'm like, why would you curse Canaan and not Ham? And so um, when I saw that, um, I remember uh, uh, a minister had stated that because the seed of the world came through Noah's three sons. So if he was to have cursed Ham, then the whole, you know, a third of the world would have been cursed. And I thought that was interesting. I'm like, even at that point, God was making sure that, you know, that our our heritage can be can be processed in certain in a certain way where we can have a way out. You know what I mean? And so he had said, he said, Canaan should be will be a servant to everybody else. He already said that. Oh, that was that was the curse that um, that Noah put on on his grandson. And the thing is, when we look at all of us now, how we're a slave or a servant to other people, it, it, it boggles my mind. But what God was showing me was that even through the ages, through the different generations, the curse was watered down. But, it, and it was watered down to a certain, to the point where that's the reason why Christ came. And um, and he was showing me how everything that he does is a process. And when Maria was speaking earlier about how, you know, you know, you know, for certain things it takes six hours and for other things it could take six months or six years. And we have to understand that that process is meant for a reason. That will show you how strong something is, you know, in your life. If you have to go through a certain process, to get out of it, negative or positive. So even even if you're looking for a financial blessing, even if you're looking for a financial blessing to be a blessing for others, depending on the magnitude of that blessing that God wants you to have, he can't just give it to you all at once. So if he wants you to be a excuse me, if he wants you to be a millionaire or a billionaire or someone who's well off enough that you're able to to supply the need of others, he has to slowly build you up so when you actually receive that thing, 
you'll know what to do with it. Because you have so many, I mean, look at the childhood actors and actresses and, you know, and the ball players that start off real young, coming into fame and fortune at a, at a fast pace. But when you look at them down the line, they've lost everything. They had to, you know, they're, they're destitute in spirit and in finances. So they weren't prepared for it. But that's how the love of God is. He prepares us for our blessing. Even even on the opposite side, he prepares us for our deliverance. So the thing is, we have to be able to be willing to have patience in that preparation. Because the thing is, if if we rush it, we're going to mess it up. Steve Harvey, I don't care what nobody says. People say they don't like Steve Harvey, but his testimony is the most awesome thing in the world because he's willing to be that transparent with his life where he even said how when you listen to his testimony, you hear how the process of God let him have quick fame and then he lost it all. But when God started building him back up to come into where he is now, he appreciates it more. So we have to be uh, we have to have that willing to be patient because we want to appreciate it. He, we won't understand that it's God that got us to where we are if we get it quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because a lot of times when you get some some people are humble enough to have a quick a quick blessing, but some people need to have that slow build up so that they can see exactly how it came about understand the hardship in it and behind it. So when they are able to, to to go forth, they can encourage others. And when people can look at that and be like, again, using Steve Harvey as that example, he uses his life as the example. And he even says, I fell down many times. I wanted to give up many times. But he was like, it was nothing but prayer from my grandmother, not from me, that got me to be able to get back up. And then as I learned how to pray, I was able to see the hand of God in my life. So as we do that, we can be patient. These times that Maria was talking about, it ain't going to be no joke. So we have to understand that this slow pace that God has us in is for a reason. Because when everything goes kaboom, we can say, you know what, God? Okay, thank you. Thank you for this because I know exactly where I know exactly where everything is. I know how to place my feet because I slowly walked this path, so I know where everything is, and I don't have to run into walls and doors that fall off ledges because I know exactly how to place my feet with my faith in you. And as I minister to y'all, I minister to myself because I needed that. Yeah, I'm going back on mute. <laughs> And on that note, all I'm going to say is get off my block and happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> Just trying to get us back to yesterday, that's all. It's all good. I ain't mad at you. 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 I'm almost home. You got about a good 10 minutes. Mm. Tired. Oh, sore. You're not by yourself. Mm-hmm. Has anybody um, noticed that lately when we get 
the cloudy days and all the rain, then the next day we get sunshine, then we go back up to the cloudy days and change, and the weather gets a little cooler. And it just seems like it's just sapping the life out of us. Mm, I just know the weather went crazy, so I thought I know. I ain't paid that attention. I haven't paid it down. I don't know if it's hot or cold. Hot or cold. We haven't had a steady, excuse me, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But we in the last days and things is crazy. Yep. It's going by the time table that it always has. And that's for some what? reason, I said it's going by its timetable as it always has. Yeah, pretty much. But um, for some odd reason, we keep on thinking that we can change it. <laughs> man thinks a whole lot of things. Man thinks a whole lot of things because he's crazy. Yeah. I want to pray. Um, I pray right now if I, that's okay. I pray for and I keep and I always forget. So Lord, thank you for bringing it to my remembrance. I want to pray for the judges of the federal court who are in the in the um in the midst of making the decision to make. Um, same-sex marriage legal. I pray right now that, um, you know, for their peace because they are they are in the midst of um, a battle that no matter how it goes out, you know, it, it's God's will. And, um, and uh, I, I pray that they'll make the right decision. I pray that they make the right decision. But if it's the will of God for it to be done, I want to do, I want to say what Christ said. Forgive them, Lord, because they know not what they do. I I ask that you will watch over and keep them in the midst that when they see the result of their decision, that they will not be, um, that they will not be overwhelmed with 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 the negative impact of what happened. Um and also I wanted to pray for um those who are persecuted. Um because Father you are you know so many people are, are, are walking around, you know, that, that are just trying to be strong in you and they are being physically, financially, um, you know, just persecuted for no reason, but you, you let us know. That's one thing I love about you. That's, that's one of many things I love about you. You let us know way before now. As long as we were, if we study to show ourselves approved, you let us know way before now that those who love you will be hated. And so, as we walk this walk, I pray for the strength of those who are willing to stand. In their, in their belief, on their belief in you, and and letting you be the head of their lives, and and God just just continue to keep our strength in you. Our strength is only in you. Let us not try to do this in our own power or by our own will, because those two things will wane, 
but yours will never wane. You will always be strong. You will always be, you know, steadfast. So let us be steadfast and unmovable in you. And we just thank you for that. And we give you glory and honor that only you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Real good. I'm going to go ahead and break out a song. No, I won't do that. And, and one last thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on mute for real. Um, I need you guys to set aside uh, some cans of vegetables and soup, some beans. Set aside some non-perishable items. Um, put it in the back of your you know, put it in the back of your closet or whatever, some salting, things that won't, you know, go to waste so that, you know, you can have some kind of backup just in case. But when the revolt happens, I'm going to fight the man, fight the power. <laughs> you do too much. Yeah, that's probably why I'm tired because I do do too much. But such is life. But I'm about to get a break because y'all all step up to the plate and do one one day a week on the call. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. I'll be back on. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Fight the powers of the... Smart meter installer. Oh, right. Comment got a smart meter. Water's got a smart meter. That's such a beautiful thing. We can tell you how much energy you waste. We can monitor you and shut you off with the drop of a hat. Then you better come into your house to do it. Oops, did I say that? Mm. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the medicine. Oh yeah, this is you know this is the commercial to get. It's one of those legal commercials, you know. And if you've been suffering from mesothelioma, and you've got this, and you've got that, you've got that. And if you're dead, then you just call us. Really? If if, if you're dead, call us. Really? I just look at my eyes, shake my. Dude, yeah, okay. Stores for it. Here we go. 
mama of dead people. But I know y'all really do want to hear me sing a song, so. Come on. Sing, sing a song. Sing out loud. Sing out strong. Sing a good thing, not bad. Sing of happy, not sad. Sing, sing a song. Make it simple. Don't let the whole world know. If I don't know the rest of the words, it doesn't really matter. Just sing, <laughs> sing a song. La 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 yeah, you know how people sing it to the fans? Oh, <laughs> you're twitching on the thing. See, 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 like I sing in the shower. I sound real good in the shower. <laughs> I think somebody said, but actually people sound better in the shower because of the moisture or something. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and, it, and, and, and the way of the, of the sound bouncing off the wall, like that, that, um, oh, Gotcha, I got the mist in, in the mist. Okay. Mm. All righty. Almost there, people. Woo-hoo. Five more blocks. Happy, happy joy, joy, happy, happy joy. Yay. Let's just get you and get this over with. If you were a superhero, which one would you be? Spider-Man, Superman, Wolverine, Batman, Incredible Hulk. I think I'd be Incredible Hulk. Smash, smash. Can I pick out Mighty Mouse? Ooh, I ain't heard of Mighty Mouse in a long time. Ooh. And then what about Underdog? Underdog. Home, sweet home, Chicago. All righty, then. We'll do some confessions today, too. 
go ahead and get this puppy on the ball. Horrible shit up. Shit up on rush and they headed to go brought this shit to go horror that I go shit to go boss. They headed to go rambaka to go say shit to go rambaka to go say. Rob's outside. I got to take this call. Hundred to go say shit to go say. Well, I guess this puppy going to wait then. Ha, 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 ha. I got to go shit to go say shit to go sander to go sander to go say shit to go naka. Hundred to go say shit to go rambaka to go sander to go say shit to go sander to go say. Horobaka saraka.
Bouncing back. Hey, hey, happy, happy, joy, joy. Okay, we're getting ready to do confessions and some reading material again today. Father God, come before you, seeking what you do, your word, your will, and your way. Holy Spirit, show me what confessions that you want us to say. Give us the word and the heart to receive that which you have for us. Father, let not this just be words spoken out of our mouths, but let us confess unto you, as you reveal to us, how to walk according to the truth, word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, what I got to Let's go ahead with the financial confession. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I confess your will. I confess your will. Over my finances. Over my finances. I have given. I have given. The tithes of my increase. 
the tithes of my increase. And I claim the windows of heaven. And I claim the windows of heaven. Blessings for my life. Blessings for my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. My mind is alert. My mind, my mind is alert. And I hear your voice. And I hear your voice. And the voice of a stranger. And the voice of a stranger. Will not follow. Will not follow. Thank you. Thank you. I receive now. I receive now. Doors of opportunity. Doors of opportunity. Open for me and my family. Open for me and my family. Father, I have given to the poor. Father, I have given to the poor. Therefore, I will never lack. Therefore, I will never lack. I will always have. I will always have. All sufficiency. All sufficiency. In all things. In all things. As you are raising up others. As you are raising up others. To use their power. To use their power. Their ability. Their ability. And their influence. And their influence. To help me. To help me. I expect daily, Father. I expect daily, Father. For the Spirit of God. For the Spirit of God. To speak to men and women. To speak to men and women. Concerning giving to me. Concerning giving to me. And in the name of Jesus. 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 Those to whom. Those to whom. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Has designated. Has designated. Are free to obey. Are free to obey. And give to me. And give to me. Good measure. Good measure. Press down. Press down. Shaking together. Shaking together. And running over. And running over. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe. I believe. Every need is met. Every need is met. With heaven's best. With heaven's best. I have given. I have given. For the support of the work of God. For the point of the work of God. And those who teach his word. And those who teach his word. You promised. You promised. That you would supply. That you would supply. All of my need. All of my need. According to your riches and glory. According to your... What was that again? According to your riches and glory. According to your riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. So I thank you, Father. So I thank you, Father. I live the best. I live the best. And enjoy the best. And enjoy the best. In every area of my life. In every area of my life. Hmm. Father, your word said. Father, your word said. That I can decree. That I can decree a thing, a thing because of my covenant vow, because of my covenant vow with you, with you for the kingdom of God in the earth, for the kingdom of God in the earth. 
Now, this is my decree. And this is my decree. Now, whatever you want to decree, you go ahead and decree. Father God, this is my plea before you, Father. This is my plea before you, Father. Amen. And I thank you. And I thank you for wisdom. For wisdom and insight. And insight to bring it to pass. To bring it to pass. You give me and my family. You give me and my family richly all things to enjoy. Richly all things to enjoy. Now Satan. Now Satan. I bind your activity in my life. I bound your activity in my life. And I loose the angels. And I loose the angels. The ministering spirits of God. The ministering spirits of God. To minister for me. To minister for me. And bring in the necessary finances. And bring in the necessary finances. So that I may continue. So I may continue. To finance the kingdom of God. To finance the kingdom of God. Father, your word declares. Father, your word declares that my giving. That my giving increases the fruits of my righteousness. Increases the fruits of my righteousness. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I have the abundance of peace. I have the abundance of peace. The abundance of joy. The abundance of joy. The abundance of patience. The abundance of patience. The abundance of temperance. The abundance of temperance. The abundance of goodness. The abundance of goodness. The maximum return on my giving. The maximum return on my giving. Is mine. Is mine. Because I give. Because I give. To promote to promote the name of Jesus. To promote the name of Jesus. And the gospel in the earth. And the gospel of the earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, we're going to do a couple of smaller ones. God, give me the grace. God, give me the grace. To accept with serenity. To accept with serenity. The things that cannot be changed. The things that cannot be changed. Courage to change. Courage to change. The things which should be changed. The things that should be changed. And wisdom to distinguish the difference. And wisdom to distinguish the difference. Living one day at a time. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship. Accepting hardships. As a pathway to peace. As a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did. Taking as Jesus did. This sinful world as it is. This sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it. Not as I would have it. Trusting that you will. Trusting that you will. Make all things right. Make all things right. If I surrender to your will. If I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life. So I can be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy. And supremely happy. With you forever in the next. With you forever in the next. 
A wise man will hear. A wise man will hear. And will increase in learning. And will increase in learning. A man of understanding. A man of understanding. Shall attain unto wise counsel. Will attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb. To understand a proverb. And the interpretation. And the interpretation. The words of the wise. The words of the wise. And their dark sayings. And their dark sayings. Okay, that's Proverbs 1 and 34, the last one. Okay. All right, Father God, we're getting ready to go into our reading for today. by their excited emotions. They lack self-control in speech. Once their mouth is open, their mind seems to lose all control. Words pour forth like an avalanche. Now the soulless Christian realizes he should not be long-winded, but somehow he is unable to withdraw once the conversation gains momentum. Then thoughts of all kinds swiftly invade the conversation, precipitating a continual shift in topic and an unfailing replenishment in words. And when words are many, transgression is not lacking, says Proverbs 10:19. For the result will be either the loss of control through much speaking, the loss of peace through argument, or even the loss of love through criticism, because secretly and hypocritically they will judge others who are loquacious and does it and deem it most and deem it most unbecoming in them. Fully aware that the flippancy does not become the saint, the carnal person still loves to talk frivolously and hankers to speak and to hear coarse jests. Or he may go in for vivacious and gay conversations which he simply cannot afford to miss, no matter what. Although at times he does avoid such impious and sinful and unprofitable talk. It is not for long when his emotions once stirred once again, he will automatically return to his favorite old pastime. Soulish believers also indulge in the lust of the eyes. What governs the attitude in this particular artistic or aesthetic view momentarily current in the world? They have not yet assumed the deaf attitude to human artistic concepts. Instead, they pride themselves on possessing the inside of an artist. Now, should they not be ardent admirers of art, they may swing to other extreme of being indifferent to beauty altogether. They will clothe themselves in rags or as a token of their suffering with the Lord. The intellectuals among those who live by the soul tend to view themselves as bohemians. On a windy morning, on a moonlit night, for example, they after found pouring out their souls in sentimental songs. They frequently bemoan their lives, shedding many tears of self-pity. These individuals love literature and are simply ravished by its beauty. They also enjoy humming a few lyric poems, 
for this gives them a transcendent feeling. They visit mountains, lakes, and streams since these bring them closer to nature. Upon seeing the declining course of this world, they begin to entertain thoughts of leading a de detached existence. How, how ascendant, how pure they are, not like other believers who seem to be so materialistic, so pedestrian, so enmeshed. These Christians deem themselves most spiritual, not recognizing how incredibly soulless they actually are. Such carnality presents the greatest obstacle to their entering a holy spiritual realm because they are governed so completely by their emotions. Of greatest hazard to them are an unawareness of their dangerous position and utter self-content. Carnal believers may be long on so-called spiritual knowledge, but usually are short on experience. I see a lot of people getting cut today. That's all I got to say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hence, they condemn others but do not correct themselves. The teaching of the dividing of soul and spirit, natural mind smoothly assimilated. But what happens then? They are upset about discerning and dissecting the soulish thoughts and act not in their own lives but in the lives of others. Their acquisition of knowledge has merely propelled them to judge someone else and not to help themselves. This propensity to criticize is a common practice among the soulers. They have the solical capacity to receive knowledge, but lack the spiritual capacity to be humble. In their association with people, they leave one with the impression of being cold and hard. Their dealing with others possesses a certain stiffness about it. Unlike spiritual believers, their outward man has not been broken, and they are therefore not easy to approach or to accompany. Christians who thrive on the soul life are very proud. This is because they make self the center. However much they may try to give the glory to God and acknowledge any merit as God's grace, carnal believers have their minds set upon self. Whether counting their lives good or bad, their thoughts revolve around themselves. They have not yet lost themselves in God. They feel greatly hurt if they laid, if they laid aside either in work or in the judgment of others. They cannot bear to be misunderstood or criticized because they are unlike the more spiritual brethren still have not yet learned to accept gladly God's orderings, whether resulting in uplift or in rejection. Unwilling are they to appear inferior as being despised. Even after they have received grace to know the actual state of their natural life as most corrupt, and even after they may have humbled themselves before God, counting their lives being the world, worst in the world, these nevertheless ironically end up regarding themselves more humble than the rest. They boast in their humility. Pride is deeply bred in its bone. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to try a little bit more. The works of the soulish believers. The soulish are second to none in the matter of works. They are most active, zealous, and willing, but they do not labor because they have received God's order. They labor instead because they have zeal and capacity so to do. They believe doing God's work is good enough, unaware that only doing the labor of God's appointment is truly commendable. These individuals have neither the heart to trust nor the time to wait. They never sincerely seek the will of God. On the contrary, they labor according to their ideas with a mind of teeming with schemes and plans. Because they diligently work, these Christians fall into the error of looking upon themselves as far more advanced than their leisurely brethren. Who can deny, however, that with God's grace, the latter can easily be more spiritual than the former. The labor of soulish believers chiefly depends upon feeling. 
They take to works only when they feel up to it. And if these congenial feelings cease while working, they will quit automatically. They can witness to people for hours on end without weariness if they experience within their hearts a burning and unspeakable joyful feeling. But if they sustain a coldness or dryness within, they will scarcely speak or not even speak at all. In the face of the greatest need, I say, before a deathbed situation. With tingling warmth, they can run a thousand miles without it. They will not move a tiny step. They cannot ignore their feelings to the extent of speaking when stomach is empty to a Samaritan woman or talking while owls are drowsy to a Nicodemus. Carnal Christians crave works, yet amid many labors, they are unable to maintain calm in their spirit. They cannot fulfill God's orders quietly as can the spiritual believers. Much works disturbs them. Outer confusion causes inner unrest. Their hearts are governed by outward matters. Being distracted with much serving, Luke 10 and 40, is the characteristic of the work of any soulish believer. Carnal Christians are readily discouraged in their exertions. They lack that quiet confidence which trusts God for his work. Regulated as they are by their intimate sensations and external environments, they cannot appreciate the law of faith. Upon feeling that they have failed, though not necessarily true, they give up. They faint when the surroundings appear dark and uninviting to them. They have not yet entered into the rest of God. Lacking in farsightedness, believers who trust in the soul easily become discouraged. Only what is immediately ahead can they see. Momentary victory gets them joy. Temporary defeat renders them sad. They have not yet discovered how to see on to the end of a matter through the eyes of faith. They yearn for an immediate success as comfort for their heart. Failure to achieve it renders them unable to press on unwearily and to trust God in continual darkness. Ooh, Jesus. The soulish are experts at finding fault, although they are not necessarily stronger themselves. Quick are the soulish to criticize, and slow are they to forgive. When they investigate and correct the shortcomings in others, they exude a kind of self-sufficient and superior attitude. Their way in sometimes helping people is correct and legal, but the motivation is right. The tendency to be hasty often stamps those who follow their souls. They cannot wait on God. Whatever is done is done hurriedly, precipitously, and impetuously. They act from impulse rather than from principle. Even in God's work, these Christians are so prepared by their zeal and passion that they simply cannot stay for God to make clear his will and way. The mind of the carnals occupied wholly with the endeavors. They ponder, plan, and At times, they presage, a, they presage a bright future, hence are beside themselves with joy. At other moments, they foreglimpse darkness and immediately become haunted by untold misery. Do they thereby think of the Lord? No, they think more of their labors. To them, working for the Lord is of a supreme importance, but often they forget the Lord who gives work. The Lord's work becomes a sinner, the Lord of work recedes to the background. I'm going to just stop it there. That's probably more than enough. All righty. Well, let's go back and do some more dissecting and dicing. Okay. Carnal believers bear a common stamp of talkativeness. Few should be their words they know, but they are goaded into endless discussion by their excited emotions. 
They lack self-control in speech. Once their mouth is open, their minds seem to lose all control. Words pour forth like an avalanche. Now the soulless Christian realizes he should not be long-winded, but somehow he is unable to withdraw once the conversation gains momentum. Then thoughts of all kinds swiftly invade the conversation, precipitating a continuous shift in topic and unfailing replenishment in words. And when words are many, transgression is not lacking, says Proverbs 10 and 19. For the result will be either the loss of control through much speaking, the loss of peace through argument, or even the loss of love through criticism, because secretly and hypocritically they will judge others who are loquacious and deem it most unbecoming to them. Fully aware that flippancy does not become the saint, the carnal person still loves to talk frivolously and hankers to speak and to hear coarse jests. Or he may go in for vivacious and gay conversations, which he simply cannot afford to miss, no matter what. Although at times he does avoid such impious or unprofitable talk, it is not for long, for when emotion is stirred once again, he automatically returns to his favorite old pastime. Well, people who love to talk so much they want to hear themselves talk, and he comes back from the word. It's just, just so much up in all of that. I just, wow. I see myself in some things that I used to do when talking about the course. Yes, and still do it from time to time. Yeah, I still, I still kind of go there from time to time, you know. But it's just, you know, we, wow. It's just pointing some things out for us to look at. That's all I can really say. Giving us some more things to chew on. Soulish believers also indulge in the lust of the eyes. Yeah, okay, just give, let me just go, cut my foot off right now, okay? All right, take it all the way up to the knee. Soulish believers also indulge in the lust of the eyes. What often governs their attitude in a particular artistic or aesthetic view momentarily current in the world, they have not yet assumed a deaf attitude to human artistic concepts. Instead, they pride themselves on possessing the insight of an artist. Now, should they not be ardent admirers of art, they may swing to the other extremes of being indifferent to beauty altogether. These will clothe themselves in rags as tokens of the suffering for the Lord. And again, see, this book was written back in 19, what, 20 or 12 or something like that? So when he's talking about artists and this, that, and the other... Back in that day, I'm trying to find back when this was written again. So think of the world back then. Now compared to 1901, I'm trying to find it. Anyway, this book is old. So think of how society was back then. Think about how, you know, you had your different classes and all this other. Compared to how it is now when we talk about artists, well, art now and it's, it's everything, even in the piercings of the bodies and the tattoos and all these things that people are doing now, how they're expressing themselves and how they, you know, how they feel. Is, I, 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 it, ugh, just, it takes a whole other realm. takes a whole other thought. You know, again, I'll I say it again. I, I was looking at somebody the other day, and they had some piercings, whatever. I think it was something in their nose, but then all of a sudden I realized it's the same thing. We see all this artwork from Africa of our, our ancestors, you know, of those who are for the black, our ancestors, 
and how they had all the spears and stuff, and we got all this artwork and all the pictures of them with the bones in the nose. It mm-hmm. ain't no what's going on now. It's the same exact thing. So that's telling me it's the same exact spirit, and people not realizing. You know, I have to express myself. They don't even know what they're trying to express or who they are or how they're being led. But anyway, I'm just I'm just saying what I'm saying. You're speaking the truth because what the, the, the label that they put on it is fashion. And what fashion is, they got a good um, amount of people that's doing it. So out of that, they feel connected. And even even in fashion, as far as wearing my clothes, my my pants down by my knees. Come on now. Uh huh. But yeah. see, the thing of it is, you got more people that are follow. But how many people actually do study? Hmm. So just like we're going to church, okay? Are you going to Sunday school? Are you going to Bible study? And if you are, are you obviously in there learning for what you're going to learn? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going there for the fashion of what well, so and so is going, so and so is going, so as long as I'm in the midst, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So with them going after these demonic things, uh, they feel accepted, but then are you fully aware of what you're asking to be accepted into? <laughs> nope. So that's why um, I think I had told Morgan back a while ago because I had learned this from taking up um, art studies. And they were talking about the different things that these tribes would do in order to please the God of the underworld. And it was a lot of fashion. It was a lot of things they did, which is called fashion today that people do. And they're not even, they're not, they're not even knowing what, what they are honoring. But then, too, you look at some of these folks with what they're wearing and stuff, and they don't know what they honor is, but then their life just don't never go right. <laughs> or they life may be pleasing to them, but then again, there's some hor- horrific things that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. They're snatching you. They're not listening to you to sacrifice. They're forcing you. And then it's taking liberty to pick out what you're going to sacrifice that you don't want to sacrifice. Mm. Mm. All righty then. Because just like with the Mayan um, culture, they were a very smart culture. They created the time, the sundown. They also created the calendar. Okay. Okay, but when they went and they did they sacrifice, they went up in that tall um, tower and they cut each other to sacrifice. Mm. And you had to, like, give up so much blood to this underworld God. But Mayans don't exist anymore. <laughs> okay. But they were highly educated people. Mm. But they serve the underworld God. That's what he in his next one I'm about to read. He says, "The intellectuals among those who live by the soul tend to view themselves as bohemians. On a windy morning or a moonlit night, for example, they are apt to be found pouring out their souls in sentimental songs. They frequently bemoan their lives, shedding many tears of self-pity." 
These individuals love literature and are simply ravished by its beauty. They also enjoy humming a few lyric poems, for this gives them a transcendent feeling. They visit mountains, lakes, and streams, since these bring them closer to nature. Upon seeing the declining course of the world, they begin to entertain thoughts of leading a detached existence. How condescending, how pure they are, not like the other believers who seem to be so materialistic, so pedestrian, so enmeshed. These Christians deem themselves most spiritual, not recognizing how incredibly soulless they actually are. Such carnality presents the greatest obstacle to their entering a holy spiritual realm because they are governed by so completely their emotion. Of greatest hazard to them is an unawareness of their dangerous position and utter self-content. And the thing, what, again, what he's pointing, is not saying we're not to enjoy the things, the lakes, the streams, and nature. It's not saying that we're not to see God's creation and the beauty of it, the songs and the literature. But when it's, when it's leading you, like you said, and it's opening up gates in our lives that we're totally unaware with, and, with the, and you get so involved and so enwrapped in this is, this is now, you have literally now put this in a position above God and your relationship with God. And you, most people are literally unaware because they're seeing God through nature or they're seeing God through literature. Well, they're seeing, you know, so actually you need to be seeing God and then seeing nature. She needs to be seeing God and then seeing literature. But So we actually have a reverse. And so that's how they end up being led astray. True. So carnal believers may be long on so-called spiritual knowledge, but usually are short on it. You know what? I ain't going to mm-hmm. say now, because you know, everybody can always tell you what to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna just keep moving. No, cause see, I, I got to say this: How you gonna tell me how to make a million dollars and you can't pay your own bills? I'm sorry. Okay, cause you got millionaires who might not be able to pay their own bills, but they've made a million dollars, but they've also made mistakes. But how you right. gonna try to make a million dollars and you ain't even got a hundred dollars in the bank? How you gonna tell me how to heal somebody from a, a, a medical perspective and, and you three hundred pounds and and you got all kind of medical conditions going on? Not trying to say you're not in. As see now, the, the, this is the thing. As we're learning and we begin to apply certain things, now this is again how God enters. Because I might be 300 pounds, got medical conditions, but now I'm in the process of learning, and I'm in the process of applying. So then I'm in the process I will share. But see, that comes from being that. That's a whole other thing. Because see, most of the time when we're going through our hardship, then we become humble. But you know why? Because we're getting our behinds kicked, and we're and we're scratching and we're seeking knowledge, we're seeking wisdom. So then we gain some. That's what we're doing this time. When we gain some, we share with each other. So, so we should like say, well, I share my experiences. I share, you share your experience. So it's not saying that people cannot be in this position and have have a piece of knowledge or piece. But we're trying to say when they know everything, and that's the difference in what he's pointing out. When they know everything and gonna tell you everything, and I know this, and I know really, just like like Pastor said Sunday, how how is it all these single women give married women advice? Really. You know, not saying they might not have had some experiences, but, you know, we need to be cognizant of where we're getting our advice from. 
And the Lord can work through anything. He can work through anything. But again, but again, you have to be spiritually in tune and keep your discernment up so that you can hear the voice of the Lord. Again, he spoke to he spoke to a jackass when he talked to um not Bell, he talked to what's in whatever's going on. So he can work through anything. But see, that's why you need to have your discernment and your connection with people. Again, we just made a confession. Voice of the stranger I will not follow. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you're saying that, it's down to the point of how true is your testimony? Mm. So you go back over to, are you testifying or are you testifying? <laughs> because if, I mean, some things you can see, even though you might not have been in that realm, uh, me and my sister, well, she's no longer on this earth, but at the time my niece was like five or six years old, and she had her cooking pancakes close to the stove. And at the time, my niece's hair was very long, and she also had on a flannel nightgown next to this hot hill with this pancake in it. Okay, I seen this, and I went into instant panic mode. And I said, get away from that skillet before you catch on fire. My sister turns around and asks me, who am I to sit up here and try to tell somebody about their child and I ain't got none? I said, well, you know something? One thing that I'm seeing through my eyes right now is her hair, her nightgown, and her close to that fire. Now, hair can go up real quickly. And if a spark jumps off to her hair and she catch on fire, I ain't going to even ask if she want a glass of water if I listen to you. <laughs> and she's like, Mother, I said, look, I'm just looking at face. I'm just looking to get her out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, but see, people tend to try to get at little things to throw you off. And like I said, for safety, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. It's just that it's 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 um it's just on a reaction. You want that person's safe. Right. Now in the course of um of, of the girl if I was you so like <laughs> it's, it's three sides to every story. Your story, the other person's story and the truth. <laughs> and I had gotten into a thing for where one of my friends, she was married, and she asked me, what would I do? Now, she's asking my opinion, and she told me her side of the situation, so it's still two sides out there floating. Mm -hmm. So I told her what I would probably do. She went back, and she took what I said, and she tried to apply it to her. Well, hold here's on the thing. I can only talk to me. I can't talk to nobody else. Right. Okay, so she came back and she said, you messed up my, you messed up my marriage. I said, how in the world I messed up your marriage? Well, you told me. To, I said, no, 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 no. You came to me and you told me your side of the scenario and you asked me what I would do. I can only tell you for what I would do, but 
in the meantime, I never told you to go back and do what I said I would do because I can't do that. I said, now, if you chose to set me up as a guinea pig, it didn't work. <laughs> but you knew what you told me, and you knew exactly, and you knew the truth of what exactly went on. I said, so if you ask anybody else their opinion on something, remember, that's their opinion. If you want to apply it to you, that's your choice. But meantime, you still have a choice of doing what you knew what was going on in the first place. And then when I broke it down to her like that, she had to get quiet because I wasn't I was refusing to go in and be her her, her security blanket <laughs> for her mess. Right, right. But when you get people and uh, I've seen this over the years where it's not only females, but some males too. That when they start getting around certain people, they start over-talking. And they feel like, okay, you know, just like Moses feels good about um, Jethro coming through. You wind up over-talking so much that you're not being mindful of the ears that's hearing. Mm. And just like with the, um, just like with the wound. If a germ finds its way in through open cut in the skin, once it get in, oh, it's gonna do it's it's, it's gonna do what it's came to do, hmm. and that is to make make a disease form in your body. But you can't, like I said, you can't talk to everybody. You can't. You can't sit up there and let your business get out there like that because you also have parasites that's looking to feed off of your misery mm. or to create misery so that they can feed off of you and now they have a new way of having control over you. I mean, so it just start off something little but then depending on how focused you are on what is yours and you have dominion over, it can wind up overtaking you to the point of, okay, I wish I hadn't done that, or if I could have, would I should have. <laughs> so, you know, out of that, it, it, it tumbles really hard, but, you know, too, you also have to remember whoever you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um do they really have their heart in a nice place to you? Mm. And like I said, some things that you can look at a person and you don't necessarily have to be in that category, but it's coming from a, a fair point of love. Okay. They don't want to see you in a safe place. I mean, I have never been married, but if I had a friend that every time I seen her, she had black eyes, and she's telling me that her face ran into a doorknob, but I never seen a doorknob after it's full knuckle. <laughs> I mean, so out of that, you have to treat that situation with kid gloves. But if this person likes being in this type of treatment, um. Then you can do it, send them over to authority. 
if you know if they if they if they want to stay, how can you talk them away from it? Mm. If they don't want to stay, okay, then you have to send them over to the authorities that can deal with it better. But, I mean, it's just certain little things. You don't have to be from that realm to where safety for somebody who loves you is on the seat and wants you in a safe place and stop seeing you be hurt. Mm. But if it's under something else for where, okay, where, hey, your husband wants you, you know, wants you to cook food every night. I mean, because the word submissive was you're going to be a helpmate to each other. It's not a um, it's not a controlling um, jail ward no reach up. Mm. I mean, so there's little things for where other people can see, and like I said, it depends on what type of a heart they have for you. But then in the meantime, you know what you're in, and what people have done over for quite a while now. If they can if they can get somebody's ear and then when things start tumbling, they're ready to throw that other person up under the bus too. Mm-hmm, that's true. But in the meantime, while you try to throw that innocent person up under the bus, remember, you invited them in, you knew what was going on in it you knew what was going on in your life. And you also knew the truth. Mm. I mean, so like this said, also what uh tangled with we we I mean, so you got to look at the little different variations of that also. Right, right, right. All right. It says, carnal believers may be long on so-called spiritual knowledge, but usually are short on experience. Hence, they condemn others but do not correct themselves. When they hear the teaching of the dividing of soul and spirit, the natural mind smoothly assimilate it. But what happens then? They set about discerning and dissecting the soulish thoughts and acts, not in their own lives, but in the lives of others. <clears throat> the acquisition of knowledge has merely propelled them to judge someone else and not to help themselves. This present propensity to criticize is common practice among the soulers. They have the solical capacity to receive knowledge, but lack the spiritual capacity to be humble. In their association with people, they leave one with the impression of being cold and hard. Their dealing with others possesses a certain stiffness about it. Unlike spiritual believers, their outward man has not been broken, and they are therefore not easy to approach or to accompany. So, again, they, they, we acquire stuff in our head, but having experience with it in our heart is a whole other thing. And that that's the difference. See, you have, there's a transfer. You do need to study. You do need to read. Study to show thyself approved. But that puts it in your head. But getting it in your heart, that's going to come through application. And that's why I keep saying application of the Word of God. Because until you actually apply it and stand on it, eat it, munch on it, meditate it, and it becomes you, see, that's the process of the application where it goes from your head to your heart. And in that process, that's when you begin. That's when it begins. You and the world begin to become one. Christians who thrive on soul life are very proud. This is because they may make self the center. 
however much they may try to give the glory to God and acknowledge any merit of God's grace, carnal believers have their minds set upon self. Whether counting their lives good or bad, their thoughts will revolve around themselves. They have not yet lost themselves in God. These feel greatly hurt if they are laid aside either in work or in the judgment of others. They cannot bear to be misunderstood or criticized because they, unlike the most spiritual brethren, still have not learned to accept God's to accept gladly God's orderings, whether resulting in uplift or rejection. Unwilling are they to appear inferior as being despised. Even after they have received grace to know the actual state of their natural life as most corrupt, and even after they may have humbled themselves before God, counting their lives to be in the worst of the world, these nevertheless ironically end up regarding themselves more humble than the rest. They boast in humility. Pride is deeply bred in their, in the, in their bone. So again... Self is a sinner, so even when you get to the point you recognize that you know I'm no good, then you, then you begin to try to you. Know, I, I need I need to humble myself. I know Pastor Mark, I, and I remember when he said before, he's talking to the guy. He said, you know, Lord, I forget exactly what he said, but bottom line was like he didn't even want to humble himself. He said, Lord, you humble me. He didn't want to remove pride. Lord, you remove this. See again, like I said, when I talk about me having faith, I don't want to have my faith. I need God's faith. See, we got to learn how to get self out of us, and it's and it's much more inbred in us, in our flesh nature, and our and and in that aspect than we realize. It's much more embedded in our soul nature. We just don't want to die in all any aspect, spirit, soul, or body. That's the bottom line to it. So you just have to recognize that. And then like we read earlier, when your flesh, that your flesh is a curse. We don't want to acknowledge or live according to that because that means that there's something wrong and I got to kill myself. In any aspect, death is death, and we don't want to do it. So it's difficult to walk according to that way. The soulish are second to none in the matter works. Now, here we go. Now, I'm going to just read this. I'm going to leave it alone. Let it fall where it falls. The soulish are second to none in the matter works. They are most active, zealous, and willing, but they do not labor because they have received God's order. They labor instead because they have zeal and capacity so to do. They believe doing God's work is good enough, unaware that only doing the labor God appointment, God's appointment, is truly commendable. In other words, just working because it's something good or uh, it's a good thing to do, but if it's not directed by God, it's not God doing it. Just simple cut and dry. You got a lot of us, or oh, I'm going to Bible study, I'm going to church, or oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And all these are good acts and good things to do. But if they are, you're not literally being led by the Spirit, then that's you doing it, and it's not God's work. These individuals have neither the heart to trust, uh-oh, nor the time to wait. Da, la, 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 la. I'll just read that time. These individuals have neither the heart to trust nor the time to wait. They never sincerely seek the will of God, sincerely seek the will of God. On the contrary, they labor according to their ideas with a mind teeming with schemes and plans. Because they diligently work, these Christians fall into the error of looking upon themselves as far more advanced than their lesser, than their 
especially brethren. Who can deny, however, that with God's grace, the latter can easily be more spiritual than the former? Hmm. The labor of soulish believers chiefly depends upon feeling. They take to work only when they feel up to it, and if these congenial feelings cease while working, they will quit automatically. In other words, I'm being led by my feelings. Somebody hurt my feelings. They say the wrong thing. I quit. They're wrong. They missed it. They don't understand. Okay. Nobody asked you to talk about me. I didn't say it. Just. <laughs> okay. The labor of soulless believers chiefly depends upon feelings. They take to work only when they feel up to it. And if congenial cease, if congenial feelings cease while working, they will quit automatically. And witness to people for hours on end without weariness if they experience within their hearts a burning, an unspeakable joyful feeling. But if they sustain a coldness or dryness within, they will scarcely speak or not even speak at all. In the face, in the, in the face of the greatest need, as said before, a deathbed situation. All righty then. Well, I have no words to say. I have nothing to say. This person hurt me. Well, it's about time. All I can say, I hope you will. You should have listened to me then. Now, this is the key, to be very honest with you. It's hard when you're tired. It's hard when you don't feel it. It's hard when you don't like somebody or they pissed you off or something has happened with the riff. It's hard to reach in and find the anointing to give life to a situation or circumstance. That's a lot of coming out of yourself. That's the reality of it. That's why it's not easily done. That's the, It's going to require a lot. Again, getting your hammer and nails, maybe that's what some of us need to do. We just need to have a hammer and nails. And when we see when we see we too caught up in ourselves, I guess I need to get my hammer. And just symbolically get your hammer and nails and just start nailing a piece of wood to let you know, you know what, I'm being me right now. I'm being me. I mean, you know, because again, no, and no death is death, and we don't want to die. The flesh doesn't want to be put to death. Our soul wants to do what it wants to do, and and we literally have to be led by the anointing and the spirit of God to do God's work, and that's just the bottom line to it. With tingling warmth, they can run a thousand miles. Without it, they will not move a tiny step. They cannot ignore their feelings to speak when stomach is empty to a Samaritan woman or talking while eyes are drowsy to Nicodemus. Carnal Christians crave works, yet amid many labors, they are unable to maintain calm in their spirit. They cannot fulfill God's orders quietly as can the spiritual believers. Much work disturbs them. Outer confusion causes inner unrest. Their hearts are governed by outward matters. Being distracted with much serving, Luke 10 and 40, is the characteristic of the work of any soulless believer. I'm going to read that one more time. Just because I like the way it sounded. Christians crave works. 
Yet amid many labors, they are unable to maintain calm in their spirit. In other words, I'm doing all this. I'm doing all this. I'm doing this. Oh, I'm worn out. I got to get them to do some more. God got me so busy, I can't even got time to think. And then you do it with an attitude. Oh, I didn't want to go there. There you go. Talking about people. Here, take this. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be here anyway. I'm doing God's work. I love you. I'm just reading. They cannot fulfill God's orders quietly as can the spiritual. Much work disturbs them. Outer confusion causes inner unrest. That lets you know how grounded you are. Outer confusion. Things going on all around you. And not saying that any of us there, and trust and believe, you might attain a certain level, but then there's always another level. Okay? So keep all this stuff in mind. But, again, he's talking about for the most part, when everything around you disturbs you. Everything around you, you can't you everything around you constantly. Now again, this is one thing when I some of the, whenever I find a paperwork, and I go back to my situation when everything around me was was God would use that, and that's what I, I said for Erica and for Felicia, that when you get kicked in the situation or circumstances where everything around you so disturbs you. But because you, whatever you desire, you got to come out of this. If instead of reacting to everything around, it forces you into a place of stillness. It forces you into a place of, I've got to focus and grab hold his ear, because if not, I'm going to lose it, and it ain't going to be good. And I'm talking about on, on a continual basis. See, again, like I said, that's God's promotion. That's a, you won't understand it until you're there, and I, I, that's all I can say. And you ain't gonna like it. And I'm gonna be real with you. But see, when everything around you is continually disturbing, 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 you got to find your center. You might have to pull away to go get that peace. But see, again, if you become girded up enough, then see that's the point of this call. You grab hold of that word. You get girded up enough so now you can go into this chaos. And you can sit there. Yeah, well, that's why I say, that's why we get the term, I got my popcorn, I'm going to watch the show. Because y'all can do whatever y'all want on the outside, but on the inside, I got to keep my calm. And so now I value what is truly going to, not saying that things won't get to me, and oh yeah, the enemy keeps trying, and oh yeah, you might get weak, and you might miss, and oh yeah, but I got a limit on what's going to get to me, that I'm going to allow to get to me. I, I got, like I say, I, I got my three ninety year olds my 16-year-old. Now, other than that, You know, so you have to you have to learn how to again. Who was that talking about earlier? You got to learn that process. 
It's a process, and that's all. And you ain't going to get it unless you get it. I, I mess with a guy at my job. and trying to teach him how to screw drywall, and he be getting mad or whatever, and he'll go do something else. And teach me how to do it. I said, man, the only way you're going to do it is to do it. And ain't no other way to do it. only way you're going to learn how to do it is to do it. We always want to see, see, see. This is when we talked about reading before the experience of the believer, when you got the knowledge, okay, yeah, I got it in my head. But see, when you go through the experience and you begin to pay that cost and it begins to hurt, and again, you get in those cold, dry places, but you still got to minister. You're tired as hell, but you still got to say something. You do it, but you got to keep your composure. See, that's when it begins to become part of you. That's when you begin to, the you and the word begin to become one. Because, see, what happens is, as you begin to draw, see, first of all, you got to feed on the word because ain't nothing else going to work. But until you actually get there to find out for yourself, it ain't going to work. Then you find out that's the only thing that's going to work <laughs> and keep you where you need to be. And so you gravitate towards it. That's the processes that God takes you to to grab hold of you and draw you closer to him. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. I, I, I got a little bit off track. Okay. <sighs> Carnal Christians crave works. Yet amid many labors, they are unable to calm, to maintain calm in their spirit. They cannot fulfill God's orders quietly as can the spiritual believer. Much work disturbs them. Outer confusion causes inner unrest. Their hearts are governed by outward matters. Being distracted with much serving is a characteristic of any soulish believer. Carnal Christians are readily discouraged in their emotions. They lack that quiet confidence which trusts God for his work. Regulated as they are by their internal sensations and external environments, they cannot appreciate the law of faith. Oh, did he say the law of faith? Mm. Did he say did did he say the law of faith? Do you understand what you mean by a law? See, I come from a science background, okay? And this is the see, when you're coming from a science background and it's been a long time since the scientific procedure. But if I'm remembering you you have an assumption or a hypothesis which is an educated guess. And then you, you take that educated guess and you try it over and over again and you work it out, see what works. And, and then it goes from that to a theory. In other words, well, if you do it this way, then this, and it seems to work. But when you keep doing it constantly, 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 and every time you do it, it comes out the same exact way, it becomes a law. For example, if you take two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen, every time you combine them two together, you're going to get water, H2O. That's a law. Okay, it has graduated from a, becoming a theory or educated guess, uh, a theory, hypothesis, and to a law. Now, this man just said the law of faith. That means if you do things in a certain manner according to God's word, it's got to work. Do you know why it's got to work? It's his word, and it will not come back to him void. But see, that's again when you say, I'm going to make a decision to, ch to trust and to stand on his word at cost, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of the deadness in my heart, the dryness, the emptiness, the tiredness, I'm going to make a decision to stand on his law, and I'm going to go back back before him, and God reminds you about your law, reminds you about what you said, reminds you of the promises that you spoke, as well as show me and say, God, what are you going to do? Because you're ordering my steps, and then wait, 
quietly, calmly. See, that's what he's talking about, that inner trust, that quiet confidence that you have in the Lord. Because it's not you that's doing it. It's not your emotions, because your emotions will be worn out by this point in time. Your body even gives my eye on.